Uh, hi, my name is Brendan Bigley. Hi, I'm Stephen Hilger. Nailed it. Suck the landing. Welcome to a video game podcast, uh, tentatively called Floating Around the Ether. Yeah, and if it's not called that, I like keeping the evidence that it was once called that. So yeah, we can, I <laughs> we can keep that in. Yeah, there's nothing better than just like, okay, well, welcome to the show. Just know that at one point it was called Floating Around the Ether. <laughs> at one point, we were headed towards a disastrous future. So, yeah. You know. Um, so this is this is interesting because it's kind of like a low key pilot. Um, we we did record another episode that was literally lost to the ether uh, at one point, but uh, I, I think the plan for today is uh, we're going to talk about Electronic Three, the biggest gaming convention uh, of all time, the 2018 right. edition, and just talk about the things that we liked, um, and I guess the things that we didn't like. But I maybe you know. Maybe just like stick to the optimistic fun stuff, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there there's nothing I like passionately disliked. I think the event as a whole, I have some like mixed opinions on. But yeah. Like, I walked out of it more excited than anything else, at least for the for the games that the games that I'm excited for. I was very excited for. Yeah. And, and continue to be excited for. Yeah. Hard and um, same. I what I found really interesting was like, I think at least on the internet and on Twitter and stuff, people seem to be pretty down on this year. I am walking away from it thinking like that show is actually really surprisingly practical. Like Nintendo, yeah. for example, everyone's like, oh, really? Like kind of low key presentation for Nintendo. Like their whole MO now is kind of just to show stuff that's going to be out within the next like six months. So exactly. that doesn't mean that there's not an Animal Crossing coming out in March, for example. You know, like there might yeah. be one and we just don't know about it yet, uh, but they'll announce that stuff when it gets closer. Um, so with that kind of in mind, it, it seemed um, it seemed pretty interesting. Like Sony said straight up, we're only going to be showing like four or five games really at our event. And anything more than that was kind of icing on the cake, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I think Nintendo more than anyone is for better, or for worse in their own talk about Lost in the Ether. I feel like they're in their own dimension where like they don't care about e3 the same way other you know uh, developers and companies do like, I feel right. like, they're, like you said like here, here are the games that you can get in the foreseeable future and then we're just going to drop the rest on you whenever we feel like it yeah which is just, yeah. yeah they're just going to do a nintendo direct eventually that's just gonna be like hey guess what here's everything about the new metroid game and it comes out yeah. in february you know and we just won't hear about it until you know yeah. october november or something yeah, and we'll talk more about uh, Nintendo once we get to that. I think we're going to go conference by conference here, right? Yeah, yeah. Which uh, so the first conference of E three twenty eighteen was EA's conference, uh, which was very low key, very <laughs> yeah. low key conference. Um, I, fa- I yeah. found it like really weirdly structured. TBH, like uh, Andrea Renee from What's Good Games was the host, and I thought she did a really great job. But like, mm-hmm. just everything else that happened was very weird um yeah I, I think like there's no better like there's no better example of how strange the ea conference was than that one moment when she sat down in the audience next to some guy and was like hey so you're working on a star wars game for ea right and he's like i sure am <laughs> yeah like, okay like what's any- it about <laughs> Yeah, anytime there was room for audience involvement, they just they just let let the host just like <laughs> yeah. so abruptly down. Just yeah. like, you know, like we're not going to contribute. Um I I just I, I think that like that moment was so uh it, it's just like a, a wonderful way of encapsulating EA's conference cuz it was like, "Okay, so you're working on a Star Wars game. What what is it? What is it called?" And he's like, "It's called Star Wars Fallen Order." It's like, "Okay, do you have anything to show us?" "Nope." "Okay, uh yeah. what's it about?" Uh, "It takes place after episode 3." 
okay, are you going to like have a lightsaber or like, what's up? And he's like, yep, you're going to hold a lightsaber. It's like, okay, see you next year. I, I might get shit for saying this, but I can't imagine a less interesting time period for Star Wars than after episode three. Cause like yeah. that, that, that movie ends tying every knot to set up uh new hope. Right. Like, it's amazing that new hope takes place so long after the third movie. Right. It's just like, it's like, well, that's why Yoda's there. It's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I need to know like exactly how he got to his exact position in Empire, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I think with EA too, like, they seem to be, I mean, they would be fools not to, but they seem to be doing a lot of like damage control. They're trying to like, yeah. like, we're not, we're not terrible. What A part of me appreciates that, but I also just like, I don't expect anything to change. Thankfully, like, there was enough backlash with like, how Battlefront 2 was structured to the point where we're not going to see like loot boxes as much or or loot boxes that will like what you would get in a loot box will like upgrade your chance of winning kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to be um like gameplay and mechanic altering loot boxes. It's just going to exactly. be like mostly cosmetic stuff. Yeah, there there was I think the Battlefront 2 like apology tour moment was really interesting yeah. where like that poor guy, I don't know if he like hopefully he was one of the decision makers behind the loot box thing. Cause if not, then I'm sure he was probably a guy that was just like, Hey man, we shouldn't do this. And then they did it yeah. anyway. And then they're like, Hey, why don't you go out on stage and apologize for our <laughs> shitty mistakes? Um, but yeah, he announced a bunch of, a bunch of really interesting stuff They They have a bunch of yeah. like free DLC coming out and like that game, I think is getting cheap enough now that I'm interested in maybe checking it out. Like even yeah. just for the campaign. I never was too like I, I know there were a lot, a lot of what was it, the most downvoted comment in Reddit history, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> which is kind of like it, that is insane to me. But it's also like I, I get that EA is is has a has a rocky uh, past and business model. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I was never like I, I didn't really have a strong interest in the game anyway, so I was never like too involved in the like pre-release fury. Um, right. But yeah, I'm like I I love the originals. I, I I think it would be fun to test out. I've heard everyone who has it who got it like when it was released was all they were all like it's fine. It's it's a fine game. You know, yeah. it's whatever. I played the first so. one pretty extensively when it came out. Uh, like the I guess the reboot one. Um, yeah. I, I played the originals on PS2, obviously, but like I played the reboot one when it came out. Um, and just found it like really great, but also kind of inscrutable in terms of how your upgrades work. Um, and yeah. it seems like two only made that worse. Like for some reason, I don't know what's going on with EA and dice specifically, but like I, I find their menu and upgrade systems like completely unusable for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I have no rough. idea. Like I, I play a lot of battlefield one with uh, some friends of mine and like, I literally have no idea how to equip different things. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I think like they need to really overhaul how they're thinking about uh, upgrades and character creation, all that kind of stuff. For yeah, sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm interested in checking out Battlefront 2 now that they removed all the loot boxes. There's a bunch of free DLC coming out. I think that game is like $25 now or something. Yeah, that, that feels correct to out. me. Yeah, that does feel correct. And yeah, in, in terms of other EA announcements, I am just like so bummed out about Anthem personally. Like, yeah. I just don't, yeah, like I. I watched, because um, I kept flipping between the live streams of the YouTube live stream and the IGN one. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept like dropping because there's, you know, millions of people watching it. Yeah. Or maybe my internet's just bad. But either way, uh, <laughs> there was an interview with one of the, I think one of the, I'm not sure what his position was, but, you know, one of the people working on Anthem. And uh, uh, they asked him, they were like, what 
like point blank, what is different about Anthem like than Destiny? Like what what separates this from Destiny? Yeah. And they like couldn't provide an answer. And I was like, it just it like listen, I don't mind a strong influence. Like Overwatch is very, very influenced by TF2, but it feels like its own game. Yeah. Whereas like Anthem, at least based on what they showed, just looks like Destiny. Like it look yeah. like even the numbers popping up and it's just like I just hope that if Anthem's bad or if it's mediocre or if people aren't into it, whatever, I just hope that that doesn't also lead to the end of Bioware because, like, it, it yeah. might, you know? It, yeah. it, it might, especially after Andromeda, like, EA might just be like, you know what, Bioware, like, so long, good luck. Yeah. Uh, which would be really sad, in my opinion. Yeah. I t- A weird thing about E3 this year was, I we mentioned this before we started recording, but, like, going into it, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be the year where every single game gets a Battle Royale mode. And, like... personally weirdly that's actually something that i was looking forward to i just wanted to see how all these different um Mm -hmm. how all these different ips were going to try and like force battle royale in like that seems like a fun weird thing to me what it ended up actually being this year was every company was trying to make another destiny um yeah and i think anthem like was in the brightest spotlight in terms of being able to wow the crowd and like really show off something special and it just like looked so kind of not great i'm 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 trying to like hedge my bets because like i haven't played it like sure i've only seen some stuff you know um uh, on live streams and i I watch them like uh go through the demo and stuff like it doesn't look stellar like it looks like a huge open world that you can fly around which is very cool like all the flying stuff looks yeah and everything underwater was kind of neat too yeah it's it's a beautiful game but also the open worlds look very empty like it just looks like they're trying to mask the loading screen weirdly <laughs> yeah um like you know how in in the tower in destiny when you're running between hallways like that's their way of loading the other part of the tower that you're running yeah, to. yeah like it feels like they have these giant sprawling like waterfalls and like underwater tunnels and things like that that you have to like soar through but it's really just them loading a place where you're gonna have an encounter shoot some things watch some numbers pop maybe get some loot and then leave yeah um and i don't know if that's super compelling especially when it seems to have less story than what destiny came to the table yeah and 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 uh just to backtrack a bit like i don't think destiny is a bad game at all i like destiny a lot but that's not the kind of game i want from bioware you know i think bioware has like firmly established themselves as like you know a story centric rpg company you know and it's just sad to me like i don't mind on one hand, I don't mind, uh, you know, developers making different games and, and, and branching out from their roots. Like, I don't need Coda or 3 or, like, you know, yeah, I totally. need, like, you know, I don't want you to just keep making the same stuff. But at the same time, it just, it it so visibly feels like EA is, is saying, hey, make this. Right. You know, you, you make space games, make Anthem. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's. I could totally eat my words. Maybe it's awesome. And maybe like, you know, it really is. They're sort of saving grace, but I'm just, I'm really gritting my teeth and and worried about my friends at Bioware. I'm very concerned. Yeah. I mean, Uh, it's supposed to come out, what, February? Yeah. February of 2018. Like that's relatively soon. And that also means that they're getting really close to production. Like the actual, like making of the game is done. We're in like kind of, the last couple months of like tweaks and bug fixes and stuff before the thing gets like pressed and released like the fact that they didn't really show that much of it at this point in the game means that game's going to come in real hot which is why like when they had the uh the developer lineup on stage where they were just like point blank interviewing 
developers all these questions. I mean, they were all canned questions and answers, but yeah. like a lot of the questions and answers seem to revolve around the idea of them being able to change the game when it comes out as like a way for them to potentially, I don't know, hedge their bets and like yeah. say preemptively, this game isn't going to be a complete thing when it's released. A la <laughs> Destiny. It's like you had yeah. so much time to learn from the mistakes of all the other companies trying to do this. Like, don't force the thing out if it's not done. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm really worried about it. I, I went in very excited about Anthem and I, I left too. really bummed about it. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I just think that it just seems, again, we, we made the point where it's just like, they're just trying to make Destiny literally in every way. Yeah. <laughs> like, in, in, in the way it's released, in the way it looks, yeah. everything. I love it. It's like, so. how many classes does Destiny have? Three? Okay. Anthem's going to have four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you one can- of them is just like the Storm Warlock, and one of them is just a Titan, and like, it's... It's very strange. It seems like there's a lot of, and this is across the board, a lot of games are like scared of having traditional classes. I don't mind that at all. Like, yeah. I, like if you have fun with them, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's like if you have a fighter rogue wizard, you call them like, you know, this is like fist cloak and this is like, <laughs> you know, storm sneak. And it's yeah. like, I, I know what you're trying to do, but like, uh, and I, I like the experimentation, but, mm-hmm. and this is subjective. I, I, you know, I, I'm a huge RPG fan. I kind of like when I'm solidified to one role. I like experimenting with that and mm-hmm. if I have options within that class. But I kind of like going into a game being like, this is how I'm going to play it. Right. And having too many options. Um, uh, like, I think Skyrim did it well where, like, you can be anything, but, like, you still have to put in the time to get good at that thing. So, like, you know, after, if you if you start Skyrim as, like, a, you know, heavy armor, dual, uh, two-handed, like, berserker, you can eventually be a mage, but it's going to take a while. Like you have to put yeah. in the time to earn that, and uh, it's a different game, obviously, than like Destiny. But uh, I, I think I'm, I'm I'm rambling a bit, but I just like that I am this class, and I'm going to provide this role for the team, especially if it's a cooperative game. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, what I, what I did find really interesting, and this did not come from anything on the stage demo or anything after that. It was like literally an interview that I think Gamespot or Waypoint or someone did after the fact. But it was a uh, just a conversation about the class system in Anthem talking about how one demo that they showed behind closed doors was literally an entire, I, I'm just going to call it a fire team. Cause I don't know what they're supposed to call it in that game, but like it was an entire fire team of essentially the Colossus like Titan uh, yeah. suits. And they were all customized so heavily that they all actually serve different purposes, which I, I am excited about. That's a thing that I wish they had talked about more on the stage. Like if they had yeah, that ability absolutely. to show that off behind closed doors, I would have been interested to at least hear about it on stage. Like you yeah. don't need to show it to me, but like tell me that that's an option. So at, at least the customization is on some level deep enough to allow those kind of differentiated subclasses within a certain class. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, that that's definitely sounds interesting to me. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's sort of like we can't help but feel a little bit... Uh... A little, I don't want to say disappointed, but it's sort of like underwhelmed, like, maybe underwhelmed, weary. Uh, but we'll see how it is in February. Yeah, so, especially because yeah. like I, I just remember the first image I saw of anyone at E3 was like a selfie in front of the EA tent, which just had a huge anthem thing in front yeah. of it. It was like that's the only thing that they were talking about. Um, so I, I was just expecting a lot more. But yeah, was there anything else at EA that you were really into? Um, Anthem was really the, the thing I was most locked in on. Um, 
Yeah, nothing else really stood out. I think it was interesting that they it was a lot of it was a lot of like, hey, you're we're working on this. Oh, cool. What else? That's it. You know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, but that's to be expected. So it, it wasn't a it wasn't a wash, but it didn't it didn't do anything to like change my opinion. Yeah, um, I think um, I, th- I think Battlefield Five like they came out and just said, hey, this has a battle. Ro-. I-, I love that the first game we heard about at E three had a battle royale mode in it. Like that made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But like they they had a separate event for that a couple of weeks ago, so we kind of know everything we need to know about Battlefield Five already. It looks really nice. Um, the only thing that I was really intrigued by that I was not expected to be intrigued by. Um, and I hated the way it was presented, but I still want to play it was the command and conquer mobile game. <laughs> Just like yeah, an absolutely yeah. horrid way to have like a whole bunch of shoutcasters like talking about a game that you've never seen before. Like it doesn't right. make any sense to yeah. like dive headfirst into an esport if you'd have no idea what the game is. Um, but I don't know. It looks like an interesting game. I will at least try it out a bit. Um, I don't know if it needs to have the command and conquer name on it, but whatever. Like yeah. I, the game looks fun. Um, but that's kind of EA. It, it was like a very slow start to E3, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it Definitely ramps up real quick, though. So It does, yeah. So who who was next? Uh, Microsoft was next. Microsoft. Yeah, um, this one, <laughs> this one, uh, uh, not to throw too much shade, but this one was like, if I ever wanted to like write like a SNL sketch about like an E3 host, it would have been this guy, you know, the guy in suit blazer comes out. This is the biggest game we've ever made in our lives. Yeah. I've heard like that phrase like 80 times. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad though. I think, you know, we, we talked in our, our lost in the ether uh, episode about like what we thought Microsoft should do. And they basically did that. They yeah. went, they were like, Hey, Here's a bunch of exclusives um, mm-hmm. and also pretty impressive third party support. A lot of their a lot of their world premieres were also on PS4, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, there's a new uh, there's a new Halo, which I honestly couldn't care less about. Um, the only thing that I find really interesting about that Halo. So it's called Halo Infinite. It's not called yeah. Halo six or five yeah. or whatever number there. I think it's I think it's six. Uh, it's not called Halo six. They said in some interviews after the fact that like they're developing a new engine for it. It's going to be like bigger, more ambitious than ever. I would bet you anything right now. And I'll, I'll call it this early. I bet you that game comes out around 2020. Um, and I think that it's going to be destiny, but halo. <laughs> yeah, probably infinite I mean, implies the idea of being yeah. able to play it nonstop. I bet you that game's going to be halo, but destiny. That makes sense, and the trailer too. Like, it, it, I remember watching it. I, I watched. Uh, I watched most of E3 with my roommate, and uh, we like, you know, it began with all this like really, all these really beautiful shots of like natural landscape and all mm-hmm. that. Like, what game is this? And yeah. then like we were like, oh, what if it's Halo? And then like, <laughs> sure enough, at the very end, it's just like the Master Chief helmet. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I listen. Like, no shade on Halo. Like, they're great games, and I'm sure like this could be good. But like, you know, it just. Uh, I think it was important for Microsoft to do that because they're, you know, they're trying to find their place. I'm like, hey, here are exclusive, here are our games. Yeah. Um, they did that. <laughs> okay, I got to jump to this. Uh, yes. The Gears of War reveal. Uh, the crowd. So, like, you know, they come. Uh, they came out and they're like, <laughs> here's the here's the new Gears of War game. Gears of War Funko Pop. And the crowd was like, I've never seen a crowd 180 that hard in my life. And yeah. Then he's it was like, whiplash. Just, yeah. And then they're like, just kidding. Gears of War, like mobile tactic game, and, yeah, and like just cricket, and then like oh, and Gears of War five. Right. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like, I'm not even a fan of Gears of War really, and I was just so relieved. I'm like, thank God, because that like that people would have just left if that was what yeah. Gears of War was. 
Um, five looks interesting. It's an interesting take on the on the series. I've only played like the first the first one or two games, but yeah. uh, looks good. That's all right. Yeah, I played one, two, three. I thought that they were great at the time. I I'm not yeah. as interested in revisiting that world to be completely honest. Um, yeah. I'm not at all interested in the Funko Pop version. Of <laughs> who, like, who is that for? Like, because it's it's clearly like you know it's clearly more childish, which is fine. But the the series is so over the top violence. So I'm like, who is Getting the Funko Pop game. Yeah, that's it's really bizarre. It's like okay, we couldn't get Lego to make one, so I guess like we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> um, yeah. What what I find really interesting about Tactics is like I am not at all interested. Like I'm interested in that game, but not because it's a Gears game, but just because it's an RTS at all. Like it's an RTS yeah. that's releasing on the Xbox One. I'm interested to see what that's going to play oh, like. I, not because. I thought it was mobile for some reason. It's on Xbox One. That makes more sense. I think so. Um, it, it seems like Halo Wars, where like yeah. that game is good, but doesn't need to be a Halo game. Like it doesn't have right. to have the Halo IP, but they just like used it to sell that thing. If if Gears of War Tactics is kind of the same way, I'm interested in how that plays, even if I'm not at all curious about how Gears of War fits into it. But yeah, I I personally am not super interested in Gears of War in 2018. It feels a lot to me like God of War. Like if they had gone the the yeah. normal God of War route with the most recent God of War. Then I would have just like I don't know I, I I'm not super interested in Gears of War. Yeah, the two games that stood out to me the uh, at Microsoft's event that I that I liked. If Cuphead ever comes to PS4, I would love to finally get that. Yeah, I want that on um, Switch real bad. Yeah, that that <laughs> I was joking my roommate that like 30 second Cuphead preview was like better than half of the conference. Yes. Um, uh, so that was great, and obviously Cyberpunk 2077 looks awesome. Yeah, um, Cyberpunk looks lot, amazing. I, I don't know. Have you um have you like seen any descriptions of what the behind closed doors demo was like? No. So they showed a demo behind closed doors of what that game actually looks and plays like, and every person that I've seen on the internet who went and saw that demo is like, not only is it the most incredible thing that's happening at E3 this year, but like it looks like one of the most like dense and unbelievable games like ever made and if they can continue that throughout the entirety of the game then it's going to be like absolutely ridiculous yeah i mean just the idea like just having like a witcher 3 adjacent rpg set in like a blade runner type world is like enough to make me yeah wanna get it immediately totally um yeah like it a lot of really it, it it's so easy to just feel numb when you see a lot of these trailers there's so many like post-apocalyptic space things where it's yeah. just like and I, I love that stuff but like you just see so much of it you kind of tune out after a while but like every shot in that trailer like gripped me like the the, the mm-hmm. one shot of the woman putting on eyeshadow and then it cuts out and she has like a mechanical like pit where yeah. her jaw would be um i thought that was like a really cool shot just the, the like the taxi cab full of like the monochromatic blue man group members mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like in the back um like I, it was so it was so good at world building right away i'm like i love this the narration was a little cheesy but it worked for the yeah for the context of it it, it takes so dreamer. much for me to get excited about a cinematic trailer that doesn't show any gameplay like it yeah. takes so much for me to be interested in that because like i come to eat or i, I watch e3 specifically just to see what it's like to play these things you know a couple months before they come out and and for cyberpunk to come out the gate with just like a cinematic trailer that was so intensely imaginative it it was captivating it was really interesting but yeah i I recommend like going around and like hunting down firsthand descriptions of what the actual demo was like because it seems wild 
I'm happy to hear too that you can create your own character. Like you are, I think they're called like v. seven. It's V. V. Yeah. V seven. Uh, v. I wasn't too far off for shape. Yeah. For context. <laughs> um, v is like kind of like uh, Geralt is like their character, but you can customize their appearance and right. gender and all that, which I just always love in an RPG. It just it makes me more immersed in it for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested. It's weird. People online have been really angry that it's a that it's first person. Like I could care less about that personally. Yeah, I mean, um, like most of the Elder Scrolls were designed to be first person. Yeah, and it doesn't um, mean that you haven't created a character and you can still like embody that person. I don't know. It's it's, yeah, it's a I think weird the thing. dialogue, all the dialogue is third person, but when you're actually playing, it's first yeah, person. So so like that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah, the, that's the literally the only thing to get mad at. <laughs> like the only potential thing. Like, yeah. what do you mean by sparse person? Like, come on. Yeah. And and even when asked about it, because like, so people online were really angry about it. So it eventually made its way into an interview that someone did with the CD Projekt Red devs. And they were like, hey, why is this first person, not third person? Because everybody online seems pissed about it for some reason. And they yeah. were like, it's literally because we wanted you to have the experience of walking through in the first person through an alleyway and looking up and not being able to see the top of the skyscrapers. And like, cool. That's actually yeah. a really great uh, immersive reason to be in first person. Makes a lot I've of sense. Also, yeah, ex- exactly. It's it's for the context of the story and the world. And I, I also read that like the upgrade system lets you like your character feel or embody emotions of other characters at a certain point. Oh, interesting. Um, so that probably also has a very strong first person like requirement. Yeah, that's I'm really excited for that one. I mean, I thought Witcher 3 was great. I feel like now that we're talking about CD Projekt Red after Anthem, I feel like they're really picking up where Bioware left off in terms of like yeah. these, you know, Western RPGs. A really great example of that, uh, and this is the only thing I'll say it, for people who are like maybe wary of spoilers, this might not even make it to the game. I have no idea. But like apparently during this demo, there's a point when there's a gang that corners you um, and they, they plug into the back of your neck and use your brain or like use the the mechanics that are attached to your brain to tell if you're lying or not so you have these dialogue options and you can try and lie but you know that they're plugged into the back of you and can tell if you're lying or not yeah yeah so i don't know just weird shit like that like that's the kind of thing that it feels to me bioware circa mass effect 2 would have tried doing absolutely and that's what witcher 3 did really well yeah like you have a lot of those time decisions which i Mm -hmm. thought were like a brilliant addition because like you could spend so long and like oh like because that game presents you with so many choices that there's really no good right outcome i mean i always go back to this is probably the most famous one and spoiler so cut ahead like you know 30 seconds if the game's been out come on uh there's that uh ghost in the tree um mm-hmm. that if you you can either <laughs> you can either like kill the demon in the tree to appease the witches and then you could like reunite the Baron with his family, or but like a bunch of orphans get eaten, um, or you can save the orphans. But then like the Baron loses his wife, his daughter on like you know joins yeah. uh, the witch hunters, and then he hangs himself. Right. It's just like so both options are terrible, and you have like thirty <laughs> seconds to decide. <laughs> I save the orphans because the Baron had a lot to uh, repent for, but that's just right. Me. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we can we can put in. Uh, yeah, sorry to spoil Witcher Three, but it's been it's been a while. It's fine. So, it's a yeah. side quest, like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, other stuff at Microsoft that I was really into. Uh, we saw the new From Software game, uh, Sekiro. Oh my Shadows god! Shadows die twice. 
Holy yeah. shit. That looks so that's at the top of my list. Yeah. For games I'm excited about. Me too. It looks like everything that's good about Bloodborne and Souls Combat in the like normal not normal, but like kind of uh, God of War Uncharted esque narrative driven story game, which I think is yeah. really interesting. Like I'm excited yeah. to see how Miyazaki like fucks around with that um, with that style of game using all that they've learned from combat. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Um, and it, like it could literally have just been uh, like that era of samurai in a souls game and i would be happy but it seems like they've added a lot of stuff that like seems subtle but will add so much yeah to the gameplay like the grappling hook arm like that's that, amazing yeah you could never really jump in any of the games which i didn't even realize until now yeah. like there's no there's no vertical momentum at all so like the fact and this all the different gadgets you get like um there is you know the spinning hat shields mm-hmm. and uh it just it just looks great that's that that's definitely in like my top three most anticipated games. Yeah. Sure. I forgot that was at Microsoft. I just assumed I just, in my head lumped everything with Sony that I was excited about. <laughs> um, that, that was a, that was at Microsoft's credit or credits too. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft also got like a kingdom hearts trailer, which I think we'll talk about when we get to Sony. Cause they kind of, yeah, every, like a, uh, every, one. almost every conference had a little bit of kingdom hearts, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah. It was really, well, what I really yeah. loved was that the square Enix conference and the Microsoft conference had the same kingdom hearts trailer, but Sony was the company that got the new one. Yeah, and the month the one on Microsoft seemed like unfinished. I'm not sure if 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 it was or not, but I remember watching the Microsoft one and like Sora kind of had like an uncanny valley stare, and like when Elsa cast the spell on like the mm-hmm. Frost Demon, there was like no sound, and I was like, oh no, yeah, there were no <laughs> sound effects at all. It was real. Yeah, weird. so I was like, this is uh, this is rough. Um, uh, although yeah. that said, at uh, in in that trailer, I think we mentioned it during the the lost audio that we had. But like, audio, yeah. we were like, there's a 100 percent chance that Frozen's going to show up as a world in Kingdom Hearts yeah. three, like as a way to move units. And there's there a lot is. of uh, there's a lot of we can just because even though it's in a bunch of different conferences, we can talk about Kingdom Hearts because uh, I mean I'm definitely excited for it. Um, and it I like all the worlds they showed, other than Pirates of the Caribbean, seem to be in like more modern. Yeah, and it was franchises. it was Pirates of the Caribbean three too, which is like a really weird choice. <laughs> yeah, like like okay, like who like literally who the hell wants this in the game? Yeah, what a I mean, weird choice. I, I one eighty because the minute I saw Pirate Sora and everyone, I was like, oh man, like I don't want pirates again. But then it, they actually used pirate ships in the world because the the pirates world in Kingdom Hearts two was just awful. Yeah. Um. And this one seems like it, they actually utilize. There's a lot of like pirate games, which we'll get to, but um, it's weird that Kingdom Hearts is one of them. But yeah, yeah, it, it seemed <laughs> fun. The Frozen World probably looks like the best. I mean, we got the most of that. I yeah. just like the really open landscapes. It, it reminded me a bit of how I felt in the Tarzan World in the first game, where it's this very mm. open uh, environment, which I think that series benefits the most from when the worlds are less like contained. Yeah, a little know? bit more designed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and uh, I mean, sure, it's going to be a blast. The the dialogue, I forgot about Kingdom Hearts dialogue. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. It's just like <laughs> I I had to laugh and Sora was like, Roxas is real. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, I didn't realize like, I, I have a lot of friends. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of the series. Um, yeah. But I have some friends who have played like every game that's come out for it. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize the lore importance of like, I only played one and two. And everyone 
any, any diehard Kingdom Hearts fan has been like, you will not understand three if you've only played one and two. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I, they could have done a better job advertising 2.8 then if it's a requirement. Right. You know, I thought these were just... Uh, so they have approached the developers of that game and, and asked them like, hey, what's going on with the story for this game? Like, are we expected to have played the Game Boy Advance game, the PSP game, the 3DS game? Like, yeah. should we have played all these things? And they said that they're including a short video that you can watch before you play Kingdom Hearts 3. Like on the disc, you can watch a video that will wrap up the story for you. <laughs> which is I appreciate that. But yeah, it's I think Final Fantasy 15 did something similar where there's like a movie you can watch before mm. that like um i'm not sure how required it is but uh apparently it goes more into detail about like the ring and why that's important and sort oh, of the lore of the world and stuff yeah but uh yeah i i mean it's gonna be a great game kingdom hearts is is a joy uh it was just funny the first trailer i was a little worried because i was like this the, the no sound effects and then the the yeah. roxas is real i'm like oh man this is rough yeah <laughs> Uh, but I 180'd once I saw the Ratatouille worlds and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, like, hell this yeah. Is, I'm really, uh, a lot of Pixar worlds. Like, what was it? It was Tangled, Frozen, Ratatouille, Wreck It Ralph. I think Big Hero 6 is confirmed also. Big Hero 6. Oh, Monsters Inc. Um, Monsters Inc., yep. And Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not just include Spider Man 3 and Shrek 3 while we're at it? Yes, that awful, I mean, that awful summer. I think our one prediction that didn't come true that I was sure was going to happen was it was going to show the date and then it was going to fade to black and then you would just like hear Darth Vader breathing. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I was sure that we were going to either hear Darth Vader or see a lightsaber in Kingdom Hearts during E3 this year. And then he's like, Anakin's heart is still inside him. I know it is. (laughs) He just brutally murders all the little Tusken Raider kids. You fight a thousand stormtroopers with the cast of Final Fantasy IX. That's you know that if they included Star Wars in Kingdom Hearts, it would be during Episode Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like they're probably okay. You get the rights to Pirates Three and like Attack of the Clones. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so funny. Yeah, yeah, excited for that. Um, let's uh, unless you have anything else to talk about Microsoft. Yeah, two quick things. Uh, yeah. just to touch on, uh, Just Cause Four they showed off for the first time at oh, yeah. Microsoft. That is a series that I think is criminally underrated and it's like one so of the fun goofiest things ever and this game is literally just about how there are tornadoes everywhere so i'm <laughs> yeah. like fully in it's like it's what michael bay should be like you know what yes. i mean it, it's it's just uh just because two is one of my favorite games yeah of that same the year it came out i i wrote just because for my list of games but i also and, and no shade on the game but I wrote parentheses a year later when it's on sale. It's like, I don't want yeah. just like, I mean, I don't need it right away, but like, I know that game will probably be like, it's not one of the bigger titles, so I can probably get it for like very cheap later. Yeah, I, that that is a game that would have been a uh, day one buy for me if like so. Just Cause Two, I played and and loved. Yeah. Uh, I got that the year it came out. Just Cause Three came out. I think like was just notoriously buggy and framey and bad. Uh, yeah. when it came out and i waited until it was i think it was a ps plus game one month so i i got it and i played it because of that but like i'm kind of iffy about buying it the day it comes out just because of that situation from yeah, last that's time kind of where i'm at too but um, yeah i'm really excited about just cause Four. the other thing uh at microsoft that i think is worth mentioning and we talked about it before we started recording a little bit but uh they announced that they're working on a new xbox yeah like officially yeah oh how did we forget about that that was uh again and we talked about this a bit before we started recording I wouldn't be surprised if if Microsoft pulls sort of a Wii U situation where they're like, because the Xbox One I don't think has done terribly, but they're definitely 
like They're millions hurting. of units yeah. behind PS4. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just sort of like are the first major company to go into the next generation. Mm-hmm. Xbox Two or whatever whatever they want yeah. to call it. It's codenamed Scarlet at the moment is all we know about it. I'm into that. I like that. Sometimes the codenames are better than like yeah. I love uh Dolphin for Dolphin. the GameCube. Yeah. Uh, Good name. GameCube, yeah, GameCube was fine. But I was like, I love the Nintendo Dolphin. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, new Xbox. I um, I don't really know what to think about that because it's again, it's like they just seem to be getting exclusives now. Right. So it's it's jumping the gun a bit, but I also kind of understand why. I I wonder because we we talked about this too in the Lost in the Aether episode. The the things that Xbox has on Sony are like. The Blu-ray, um, yeah, quality. 4K Blu-rays, 4K Blu-ray, and uh, for streamers, they have like uh, there's more you know connection with with PC, which is which is mm-hmm. great for anyone who like records videos or yeah. or streams. Well, also now really because that. Sony fucked up majorly, like crossplay is a huge thing that Microsoft yeah. has between yeah. every other console that Sony no longer has. Yeah, and Sony Sony does like tend to hog their exclusives a bit. Like you yeah. can only get it on this, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, what do you think the new, in a perfect world, what would you want to see Microsoft do with the new Xbox? Yeah, I think, um, so I, one of my favorite things that happens every year at E3 is, uh, Phil Spencer, who is the, the head of the Xbox division at Microsoft and is the presenter for their, uh, press conference and stuff. He will go on to giant bombs show. Like they, they do like giant bomb at night where they invite like a whole, group of guests and it goes like way late into the night it goes until like three in the morning every year uh but phil spencer will do a one-on-one interview usually it's like groups of people but phil spencer and jeff gersman just like kind of hang out on a couch and talk for a while and that was like an hour-long conversation with phil spencer where by the end of it i felt way better about microsoft's placement for the future than i did watching their press conference and one of the things that he was talking about was like the reason we announced this console at all was because every other company right now is talking about this idea of streaming games um, in a world where we don't have the infrastructure to support that. And he wanted to announce that they're building a console, like an actual home console as a way to just kind of like let people know we are committed to the idea of you buying a game and having it and being able to play it and not needing to rely on any like tertiary uh, input really. Like you can just buy the game and play it like you always have. Uh, And I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I think like it's refreshing of, to hear. Yeah, I think in terms of like what I want and what I'm hoping for, there are a couple things here and there that I find really problematic about the Xbox One and the PS4. Like I think just this generation kind of got screwed on on two fronts. One of them is just like download speed and the ability to to play games online tends to be problematic sometimes. Like Sony yeah. put an entire networking chip in the PS4 in a hope to fix that and it ended up not fixing it at all so that's kind of weird but yeah i i don't think i need anything from like a graphic update standpoint i really think it's like just optimize for games like fortnite and like destiny and and being able to download things um in a way that makes sense one of the things that they announced at the conference that i think is really cool that i didn't really get any i i thought was really lame when they announced it and then hearing phil spencer talk about it in this interview kind of uh, opened my eyes to it but this idea of downloading games in chunks. It's a thing that Sony announced with the PS4 where you could like download the multiplayer or the single player of a game first. In practice, what that always ends up being is like, okay, you, da- you started downloading Battle, I don't know, Battlefield 1 
and you say, I want to play the multiplayer first. And then it ends up like you turn the game on because it says you can play it now. But then you just sit there and you watch a loading screen and it downloads the rest of the game anyways. Like it doesn't actually work. The thing that they announced at Microsoft is that they're actually using like machine learning and AI stuff to programmatically figure out how to actually make that work for real. Wow. Which is really cool because the problem with that apparently has been on the developer side, you needed to specifically say download these packets first if we want this to work. And like when games are coming in as hot as like maybe Anthem is going to come in, that's not a thing that people have the time to really think about because it's such an edge case thing. So Microsoft figured out a way to just programmatically let that happen where the developers don't need to worry about it. It can just happen. Um, and I think that's yeah. really interesting and cool. So that, that's fun. But yeah, I, I'm interested in whatever the next Xbox is going to be. Yeah. And I think uh, that's I should check out that interview because I, th- I think Phil Spencer, even though I, I knocked the fashion choices at Microsoft's conference. Uh, oh, it's it's always blazer and jeans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> like I love it. But it's also like it's just funny to me that it's like it's yeah. always that look. Yeah. It's like the when everyone had a front flip in early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, that's the time for blazer and, and T-shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like, so I had a 360. That's my only Microsoft console. And I thought that really, in retrospect, 360, which was a great system, was really like, man, these are games that I would probably get on PC, but I don't have a good enough computer to yeah. play. Right. And that was sort of like why I had a 360. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there aren't, other than Cuphead, there aren't too many Microsoft exclusives that I'm hoping for. But I guess I just want to see more competition. Like, I think back, I think the best time for like healthy competition and gaming was probably during the first xbox gamecube and ps2 oh like, yeah a lot of third-party games would come out for each system and you would be like okay which one has the best version they all had plenty of exclusives mm-hmm. um i mean xbox was brand new at that point but they still had like you know jet set radio future and like the first halo I and mean, that was the reason people got it yeah totally uh, yeah the the exclusives on xbox one were like ridiculous yeah and like halo revolutionized you can argue like which, which game came first in terms of like that style of shooter but like at least in the mainstream light that game changed how shooters operated yeah it made first person shooters on console like a thing that could exist yeah so that was pro- I, I i would love to see and i think nintendo's back in the game now so i think that like if Microsoft just sort of like ups their interest in making like just good games and, and exclusive IPs or maybe not exclusive, but just like new IPs. Yeah. Um, we can see that kind of like rebirth of that, of that generation. Cause that's probably, that might be one of the best times in games was that generation, the PS2 GameCube Xbox. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I would like to see pretty vague, but that's sort of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I think uh, I'd be interested to see if they're going to go after the switch at all. I hope not. I would rather the Xbox like continue to like stay in the lane that it's in personally, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But that that's Microsoft. I, I thought it was a very E3 ass E3 president. <laughs> like it was like the yeah. most like classic E3 thing. It was, it, it felt like it was going to be a commercial for like monster energy at any point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is um, the biggest world. Oh God. Fallout 76. Uh, not excited at all. Oh really? Okay. So I, the, ne- the next conference is Bethesda. So I thought we could talk yeah. about it in that one. And they were a bit in it. So I shouldn't say not excited at all because I, I like Fallout a lot as a series. And like I was excited to hear a new game and, mm-hmm. and Fallout 4 kind of had mixed reception. So like, again, I was like, oh, is this Bethesda kind of returning to their roots or trying out new things? Yeah. Um, the trailer wasn't really anything. The teaser trailer before E3 was really much to go on. It was more misleading on. than anything because Todd Howard yeah. get up, gets out on stage and it's like, this is 
four times as big as Fallout yeah. 4. And it's like, well, okay, wait, so this is a single player game. Like you're comparing it directly to Fallout 4. Does that mean yeah. that it is a game? It felt like a bait and switch because it was like even before E3, the teaser trailer was whatever. And then there were a few leaked articles that were like, this is going to be an online survival game. And that's where I was like, uh, I'm not interested in, in Fallout Rust. Mm. No, thank you. But then, yeah, then Todd Howard came out and he said, this is the biggest game ever. It's bigger than Fallout 4. And it looked like a standalone single player Fallout game. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this could be great. And then when they went into it, like, it looks, it, I'm not against what they're doing, but that's just not what I want in a Fallout game. You know, mm. like I just, I, Fallout 4 felt a little empty to me in terms of the single player RPG experience. It felt like, I felt like a third of the developers wanted to make a Bioware game, a third wanted to make like uh, Borderlands, and a third wanted to make Minecraft. And it just mm-hmm. did not combine. It had really great moments and some cool one off quests, and it played great, but it just felt like a step back for the series. Mm. But yeah, I uh, and then there was the new Elder Scrolls teaser. Not even teaser, well, just that hey, it's in it's in the talk about in the ether. It's just coming one day. Just to touch on Fallout 76, I personally I have not really enjoyed any of the Fallout games until four. Uh four was the first one that like actually grabbed me. I, I found like the humor really landed with me in that one. I, I thought the like the the use of primary colors, like the blues and the reds as a way of like leading your eye towards places, I think was really It's a gorgeous game. The was world really is beautiful. Yeah. And apparently Fallout seventy six was supposed to be a multiplayer mode that was going to be included in Fallout Four, and then they stripped it oh. out at some point during development and said like this is big enough that it should be its own thing. I honestly am really excited about it because I think okay, it's like cool. it's something that Bethesda has never tried doing before. Sure. And and I'm just interested to see how a gate how a studio that is so focused on like single player narrative kind of do whatever you want um, experiences is going to transition into multiplayer. Like, I think that's a fascinating idea. I like the idea that everyone can kind of uh, fall into their own like weird roles. Like I have one friend who the only thing he did in Fallout 4 was do base building stuff. So like he's going to be the guy that in our in our crew of people is just going to build up our base. Um, yeah. I I personally just explore. That's all I really like doing. I have someone else uh, in, in my friend group that like really enjoys the combat in Fallout 4. And like that's probably what he'll take care of. So like I, I find that idea of specialization really interesting. I we don't know a lot about it yet still, but um, I'm intrigued by the idea. The only thing that rubs me the wrong way is the idea of using like nukes as like a goofy fun thing in a yeah, world where, like I, I that agree. is becoming frightening again. Also like inter absolutely in a real world sense, yes. And two, in a Fallout lore sense, that's like not like not to be too like nitpicky, but like in the first two Fallouts, nukes were like pretty much forbidden. And like yeah. there's like one you know, I mean, it's like there's no greater link to like why the world is the way it is than that. Right. So I mean, that's what it, those games are about, right? Those games yeah. are about like, <laughs> exactly. Even in Fallout Three, when you had like the mini nuke gun, it was kind of strange. But uh, right, you know, yeah. it, it was it was whatever. Yeah, I guess so. Fallout Four, I you're right. It was a beautiful game, and and I actually the one thing I did enjoy about it, other than the combat, was I thought they put a lot of attention to the companions. Yeah, um, which I really enjoyed. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of fell like. It felt like a lot of things in Fallout 4, I was like, oh, I'm really intrigued by this. And then I would spend, you know, X hours getting getting into it, and then it would just sort of end. Yeah. And that's kind of Bethesda sometimes. Like, you kind of become, like, it's like Alexander Webb for there are no more kingdoms to conquer sort of thing, where mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, like, this is it? Yeah. That's how I feel about Skyrim also, which we've talked about a lot. But, yeah. like, the idea of, like, going through the entire Thieves Guild quest and, like, okay, you get this, like, cool thing at the end. 
but also nobody like nobody, nobody recognizes you as the person who is the leader <laughs> yeah. of the Peace Guild. And same thing with Dark Brotherhood and like the Mages College and all these things. Like the worst is, is the Civil I War. I mean, the first. I mean, I love Skyrim, but the first time I played it, I did the Civil War quest first because um, mm. I thought that, I actually thought that was the main quest because it was like there was such a heavy <laughs> focus on it at the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, I fought with the Imperials and I took on Ulfric Stormcloak. It was, like, so anticlimactic. Like, this final battle in, uh, in Windhelm gets uh, Ulfric's chambers Im- immediately beaten. And then, like, for the rest of the game, he's just, like, laying on the floor in the room. And, yeah. like, the gods are like, need something? It's like, oh, what? Why did I do this? I mean, that said, that, that is a good segue into Elder Scrolls Six. Do you have yeah. any emotion at all about Elder Scrolls Six? Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I just, I have no, I have zero, uh, I, I, I have no idea when it's going to come out. Like, like anyone really? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's honestly on the next generation, uh, yeah. given like what they showed of it, which is nothing. But I'm just happy that it is in the works because I was like, part of me was worried that you know, with with Fallout seventy six, which is online. And the Elder Scrolls online, they were just going to focus on that for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. And that we would never see another Elder Scrolls. So I think that like Morrowind to Oblivion to Skyrim, each of those games so greatly improved upon the last. Yeah. Um, At least I mean, from, like, like systems and like accessibility standpoint. Yeah. I mean, like each of them, each of them do like, I think Morrowind has the coolest world and the best story. And like, if you are a hardcore RPG fan that needs things to be like, that way then Morrowind's only gonna suffice yeah right. <laughs> uh i always say it like this though skyrim begins with a prison escape and a dragon attacking oblivion begins with a prison escape Morrowind begins with doing paperwork uh you literally had to like file with the census <laughs> officer like so who are you and it's like this is so boring but it's a beautiful i mean like i love Morrowind, so i shouldn't say that each game got better objectively but like in terms of playability and like making it streamlined without really dumbing it down mm-hmm. i think they've they've done a great job at that so yeah i agree i hope that the danger with the next one is that it would be even more streamlined than skyrim which i think is like a really delicate balance of like not making it too dumbed down and still having that kind of hardcore rpg experience so yeah and we also don't know where it's set i think some people theorized uh hammerfell or high rock which would be cool mm-hmm. i think hammerfell is where the red guards are from and they're like known to be pirates so that would yeah. be a cool a cool nautical adventure yeah it would be interesting to see bethesda go back because there was a game i think that was just called elder scrolls red guard yeah um, yeah that like not a lot of people played <laughs> no, like, no. pre-morrowind pre-morrowind it gets very uh a, a very niche audience but in a world where everybody is making a pirate game i would love to see bethesda I say love like that i would love that let's let's do our thing but make a pirate game like that yeah would be and it'd be cool too it just it'd be cool for a lot of reasons i would i would love a red guard centric pirate adventure that'd be awesome yeah the other game that they like teased is starfield which is a thing that we've heard about for a long time or like heard rumors of existing for a long time it's essentially like a third tier in in their games of like fallout elder scrolls and then starfield would be the third one uh it's apparently supposed to be like a very optimistic sci-fi like star trek inspired thing i like that a lot I like yeah, I I could not be more excited about that idea personally. As someone, we could who, use a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you know? I really like when when times get tough. Like I find myself turning to Star Trek TNG like constantly. Yeah, and the idea of Todd Howard and company making a game that is inspired, at least in part, by that is 
I I want that, and like I feel like I need that weirdly. Yeah, I think it's it, it's interesting what type of fantasy and sci-fi and, and superhero stories we're drawn to as a public during trying times. Yeah, like I feel like like back in like 2010, there was like you know the Chris Nolan Batman movies. Everything was gritty and dark, and now we're like, give us Superman like smiling or something. <laughs> give us <laughs> give us some some kind of ray of light. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I would love that kind of take on it. I would love to. I have no point to make on that. I would just love that. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Some other stuff from Bethesda. Uh, got a new Wolfenstein. Rage 2 cool. is happening. The other thing that I, I find interesting um, that I want to play is Elder Scrolls Blades, which is their like mobile Elder Scrolls game. I have no idea what that's going to play like, but I really <laughs> like I like Todd Howard's um, commitment to the portrait mode one handed. Yeah. I think that that's that's really wonderful. Yeah, and the blades too, from a from a lore perspective, are really interesting. Yeah, that's something that I wish Skyrim went a bit more into because, like, you you can totally miss it if you're not like well versed in the lore of the game. Yeah. But like, there's that whole clash between the Greybeards and the Blades, and I I really liked that because mm-hmm. neither of them were wrong, or, and that Skyrim did that very well because there were a lot of like clashing parties, and and not one was entirely good or bad. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, you you are prone to sympathize with the storm cloaks and then you get to win home like oh these guys are like really racist (laughs) (laughs) these guys are not chill at all about their biases so yeah so i i appreciated that gray morality yeah anything else at bethesda that you want to point out no i mean like as much as much as i just dunked on fallout 76 and a bit of fallout 4 i i'm also very happy to be proven wrong so like it's a fun concept it's just not what i not what i was looking forward to and just because the new Elder Scrolls is so far in the future, I'm like, just sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm greatly anticipating the next standalone Bethesda adventure. So yeah. this is kind of seems like a sideshow before that happens. But yeah, I, I think like they're definitely fighting against the tide with Fallout 76 and they know it, which is kind of an exciting thing, like for yeah, them to yeah. be in a position where they have to prove themselves again for the first right. time in a really long time. Like, that's very cool. But I, I do think that like pointing at Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield is saying like, don't worry, we're not just doing Elder Scrolls Online. We're not just doing Fallout 76. Like, we are still doing the thing that Bethesda is known for. Yeah. Really smart move from, like, a yeah, I think so. press perspective. Yeah, so Bethesda, Bethesda overall, I thought, was a decent conference. Probably one of my favorites. Also, one of the only conferences where they actually, like, pointed at and mentioned the people that make the games. You know, yeah. like, the first thing that you saw was was, like shots from inside the Bethesda studio of like the people that work there. And like, that was really nice. I, yeah, I, that's the thing that always gets lost in any three is like the actual, like manpower that goes into making these things happen. Um, yeah, that's yeah. another thing that Phil Spencer talks about in that, uh, giant bomb interview. He's like, I'm just the guy that stands on the stage. Like there are yeah. literally thousands of people. And that, he, d- he did a good job as much yeah. as I also threw shade on, on Microsoft. Like I think he's doing a good thing and, and he, uh, he, he led it well. Yeah. I I, just, I I think it's nice that Bethesda like took the time to actually shout out the people that make the things that they're announcing. So that's for cool. sure because like those games are so each one is more ambitious than the last. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, like yeah, you know, the fact that like I I say like oh like it feels anticlimactic when I beat it, but the fact that there's this like Skyrim's a game you can pick up a bow and walk in any direction and lose hours. Like that's yeah. where it really shines. It's just like the sense of world, mm-hmm. the the, sc- the scale of it. So after Bethesda was Square Enix, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed. This I didn't one. write oh. anything down for them. <laughs> <at all. laughs> 
Um, I liked this one. Okay, so I I was more into this than you. I'm just gonna list uh, the games that I'm excited for. Yeah, please hit me because like everything everything that I was excited about was announced at other conferences. So like yeah. I had already seen everything that I wanted. I really uh, I really am curious about the new Tomb Raider. I think it looks pretty mm. cool. Uh, yeah. The stealth gameplay looked awesome, and uh, that was very you know, pretty. We're both big Uncharted fans, and I feel like the the newer Tomb Raider franchise is like in the same kind of bandwagon of like yeah. that type of game. Um, so I'm definitely, definitely into that. So I, I will probably get that. And I'll probably, I haven't played the previous one, so I might just go back and play all like the newer Tomb Raider games. I haven't either. And like, I, I feel like I maybe have missed the boat on it already. Yeah. But I, I think like if they release a package of one and two or something before three comes out, I will probably pick it up. And that's sort of what I'm waiting on. So I was going to get, uh, because this one's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. The last one was Rise of the Tomb mm-hmm. Raider, I think. And the, first, the first one was just, one was just Tomb, Tomb Raider. Raider. Yeah. Rise, I think I hear is like a little better, but they're both, they were both well received. So, okay. Excited yeah. for that. Kingdom Hearts 3, obviously, it mm-hmm. kind of peaked into every conference. And we got the, we got the better trailer here <laughs> than the Microsoft soundless one. The Life is Strange thing looks appealing to me, and it's free, which is interesting, but I don't oh, really know. Yeah, what is it called? Uh, the, the Adventures of Captain Spirit, I think? Yeah, it was interesting, because the trailer felt like a indie movie trailer. It looks interesting. I, I don't know if uh, it sold me on it, but uh, because it's free, I might just check it out, because it's yeah. like, you know, why not? Other than that, nothing really. I guess that was it. <laughs> oh, and uh, Just Cause 4. Yeah, uh, Just Cause 4. They announced the release date for uh, Octopath Traveler for Nintendo Switch, which is nice. But I am probably not going to play that game either because I'm not like a huge turn-based RPG person. Oh, that one looks that one looked interesting. But yeah, it, like I, it's very pretty. Actually, I just got Chrono Trigger on the DS. And mm. like I, I, I might just play that again instead of getting yeah. that. Yeah, like whenever no, I'm it. like, you know, what? I can go for a retro game. Like, why don't I just replay Chrono Trigger? Because why else do anything else? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think some people are upset that there is no nod to the FF7 remake. At this point, I, I don't like in the nicest way possible. I just don't care anymore. Like, yeah. if it, if it ever happens, I'm sure it'll be fun. But like, they showed the remade intro of FF7 at the E3 for ps3's like launch right so it's just it's just never happening like it's yeah. just not like, it, it feels like kingdom hearts 3 at this point like yeah yeah it's like the white whale of sony like well i'll get the new system because they might one day remake ff7 and like yeah i don't know i just don't think the i love ff7 with all my heart it's one of my favorite games of all time it got me into rpgs and I don't know if a remake is going to really do it justice because a lot of the charm of that game is in its sort of like, even though the polygons haven't aged well, like it, they're really like 3d renders of like 16 bit sprites. Really? Like, they still yeah. have that kind of clunky, like big head build. So like that tone is lost when they're like more Advent children looking. Right. Which is yeah. fun. It's a different direction for the series, but because it's a remake, it's sort of like, well, I'd rather just see you take it in a different direction than pretend it's the same game. Yeah, I I agree. And it seems like they're going to do that. I think they said it's going to be like episodic or something. So like, I don't know. I like I whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm such a big fan. I will. I will get it. And like, I, I don't care at all about like, I'm not into like really collectible figures or anything like that. But I remember I went to C2E2 this year and there was like, a really high quality Barrett figure of like how he looks in the remake. And I was like, this, God damn it. This is so cool. <laughs> like the minute, the minute I think I'm not just like a gushing FF seven fanboy, and I'm abruptly reminded. Yeah. So I, I will get it, but I'm just sort of like, I'm not waiting around for it because it's, 
it's nowhere in sight. I, I think it might be for this generation, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put it off. So yeah, we'll see. I the only thing that I really walked away from Square thinking was like, I can't believe they didn't show the Avengers game that they're working on. Oh, I yeah. was like so sure that we were going to see that. Maybe that'll like be announced and come out around next year with Infinity War Part Two or something. Um, I could see Square Enix not having an event next year and like giving that reveal over to Microsoft or to Sony. Yeah, yeah, I see, I can see that too. But yeah, I I was just kind of bummed about Square. It, it was like very okay. I mean, I, I I liked the format of it. Like I liked a- after sitting through like the previous ones, I enjoyed a direct just to change things up a bit. So. And I enjoyed uh, Tomb Raider. Looks great. There, there were no game. Oh, <laughs> there was one game that I can't believe is a real thing. Uh, the Quiet Man. Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, for, <laughs> I was so confused because, like, you know, it's. I mean, it's. I think it's really cool to have a, a deaf protagonist in an action game. That there's a lot of there's this is a lot you could do with that, and I think it's it's a really cool uh, thing to do. Mm-hmm. However, like in the trailer, the guys he beats up didn't really like do anything that wrong. <laughs> like he, yeah. he just walks into an alley and they're like, why are you here? And then he just beats them up. I'm like, am I supposed to root for him? Yeah. So that was that was kind of bizarre. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was a mediocre conference. But I, I walked out of it at least excited for a couple games I, I wouldn't have normally uh, looked into. So yeah, moving right along to Ubisoft, Ubiquitous Entertainment Software. <laughs> I, I didn't write down a whole lot for them. I, I am very excited about the things that I'm excited about, but um, there wasn't a whole lot that really stuck out to me personally. I went in like over the moon excited about The Division 2. I thought that that was going to be like one of my games of show because the thing with Ubisoft is always like when they slap a two onto one of their franchises, it's always the best game in that franchise. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happened with Assassin's Creed. It happened with Watch Dogs. Like it just it happens over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So the division one ended in a really great spot, like where that game is at right now is like exactly where it should be. So the idea of them taking all those learnings seeing what destiny and bungie are doing wrong and like applying that to to fix that for the division two i think was really exciting and i walked out just like so underwhelmed again kind of like anthem um for yeah. like multiple reasons one of the main ones being this like thing and it, it's kind of like in the industry zeitgeist at the moment or at least like the the press like the games journalism zeitgeist at the moment but like this idea of you can't just co-opt like real struggles that people are going through and and say that you're not making a statement about anything so like yeah yeah this game is about taking up arms against a government that's coming after you and they're like nope it has nothing to do with anything that's happening in in the current state of the world (laughs) yeah and so then why have this setting yeah you don't Uh, have to be like abrupt i mean yeah i i'm totally i totally agree with you at least at least acknowledge the fact that not to it Yeah. yeah that that you're like talking about a second civil war happening like that's a kind of important thing to mention yeah. Um, yeah, we saw it with Far Cry 5, like it just happens over and over again. So that was kind of a bummer. And and like, honestly, a lot of the things that they showed off were not the things I was most interested in. The only thing that kind of like got me excited was the idea of introducing raids into the division, because like raids in Destiny are wonderful and like yeah. weird experiences where you're fighting like giant behemoth monsters that you never would have expected like 
I'm interested to see what a raid boss in the Division 2 looks like. Is it just a person wearing, like, a lot of pads? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you fight the White House. It just yeah, like, I, yeah. Don't I don't know what that's going to look like, but I, I'm, I'm interested in it from that aspect, but I'm very disappointed in, like, the messaging behind it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird because they that was one that got a lot of attention of the division two. Yeah, um, and like there was one sort of trailer for it that was like nothing but exposition, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, what is this?" Yeah, uh, and then the other one was a bit more powerful. Kind of showed people living in the you know there was like a kid running playfully through like the settlement and then it cuts to like a guy getting killed over a bottle of water like that was really effective yeah but even that even that trailer had like the the scene where they just like dragged some like crying woman out yeah and just shot her in the head like yeah maybe not the best time for that <laughs> yeah guys yeah it, it wasn't uh uh thematically irresponsible is sort of the brand i would give it yeah but yeah in terms of everything else ubisoft had to offer i think that this this one, even though it had a 20-minute Just Dance 9 uh, opening, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I, I enjoyed. I, I just thought that they're like, we're not going to show you any of the game. Like, if you're going to get this, you already know you're getting it. We're just they don't need dance. to anymore. Yeah. I thought that they at least put, like, some fun into the conference. It seemed to have, like, the most, the highest energy. Yeah. I am excited for Beyond Good and Evil 2. I thought that trailer looked awesome. Yeah, they're they're running into a lot of problems now also with the whole, like trying to have people do spec work and like it included in the game so that's like a whole yeah that's like thing. at first I was like, oh that's cool i'm like this is gonna be a disaster it's like <laughs> yeah. you know like what is like yeah what are the trolls the internet gonna dig up here but um i haven't played the first one but i um just the the trailer like just the brief moments they showed with like the characters it gave me mm-hmm. a very like guardians of the galaxy vibe in a good way yeah and, yeah uh, I just like immediately felt more in that trailer than like most of the space disaster trailers. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. We'll, we'll see. I'm not like dying for it, but I, I put that on my list. Same. Um, it's, it's one that I'm like watching from the outside of that fandom, yeah. like just wondering how people are going to take it when it comes out. And exactly. I'll use that to judge um, if I play it. The other game that I'm intrigued by is the, uh, the pirate game Skull and Crossbones. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it could very well just be like a disaster. Yeah. But I love the uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for like a nautical adventure. And yeah. I guess that's where the zeitgeist is at, too, because there's a lot of ship stuff happening these days. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea, like just I kind of want it to be like Monster Hunter, where there's like no pretense of a story. It's just like you're in this world. You get to customize your ship and like battle at sea. And that yeah. that just seems fun to me. The thing um, that I kind of takes me off of that hype train is I've already played Sea of Thieves. And like oh, okay. the idea of playing a sea of thieves that takes itself completely seriously is not something that I'm super into. And also yeah, yeah. like at least in sea of thieves, I can get out of my ship and like walk around an Island and like go find buried treasure and stuff like being locked into the ship. I think in skull and bones is like not a thing that I'm super looking forward to personally. Right. Sea of thieves is definitely up my alley more aesthetically. I yeah. just can't play it. It's a, it's a PC Xbox thing. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I also get a kick out of when a game does take itself seriously and I can customize it in a way that undercuts that. Oh like, yeah. My favorite thing to do in Witcher three is just put Geralt in weird clothes and like put him in like a masquerade mask. And like, uh-huh. he's still like, when do I get paid? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Or like you can play laugh. Batman Arkham Knight with like the Adam West sixties, Batman <laughs> yeah. costume on or like, so, so my favorite thing the- always is uh is in halo 5 multiplayer i customized my spartan to just be like 
bright pink and purple and like yeah. i just have like this pink and purple vibe um, awesome. I, I do it across like every game that i can customize yeah. my characters just like pink and purple is always the move but it's especially funny in halo 5 because like everybody else is always going for like black armor with red trim and you just yeah. see like a team of people walking forward with like all black armor red trim and this one spartan <laughs> that's like yeah. bright neon pink that's great yeah i uh I don't know. I, I think it could be fun. I, I, again, we didn't see a ton of it. We saw some gameplay, which looked interesting. I like the idea of commanding a crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely ambitious, so it, it could definitely fall short of that. I won't be like devastated if it if it does, but it seems like it could be fun. So I put it on my list. Yeah, and that's really it. They spent like two hours on that motorcycle game, which like that's oh trials. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I I have it. Do we really need to talk about this anymore? The two things that really stuck out to me, like the two things I'm actually like really excited about. One of them is I can't believe it, but the Starlink with Star Fox thing. (laughs) Oh yeah, looks like absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I wasn't excited about it watching the conference, but watching the Nintendo Treehouse streams later kind of made me excited Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, so that that game for. People who don't know, it's like a toys to life game, kind of like Disney Infinity or whatever. But the idea is you buy ships and you can like customize them with like little pieces um, and you like slot it into your controller and like you can fly around that way. But they announced that they also added the R-Wing and, and Fox McCloud as like playable characters in that game. Yeah. What's really interesting what they announced during the Treehouse stream was that they actually uh, if you play, you can play as Fox the entire game and they actually added extra missions and entirely new dialogue if you play as Fox. That's so awesome. it's it's a completely different game, and it just becomes a Star Fox game if you play <laughs> it as him, uh, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so, we could definitely use another Star Fox after after Zero. That yeah, yeah, awful. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that that game looked cool. I got like it's kind of funny. I feel like whenever I talk to people who play games that are around my age, you know, like mid to late twenties. They're always like, oh, this is just for kids. I'm like, they need games too, man. Like, it can't all be like yeah. Last of Us Part Two. Like, the, the, they need games too. It looks fun. Yeah. It's like a, a, you know, ageless fun. Yeah. I, I'm not like super excited about it, but I, I'm sure. interested to see what it is. I wasn't like, incorrectly calling you a child in case you thought this was <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. Who's this baby? Uh, anyway, Assassin's Creed as well. Yeah, that, that's uh, the other thing that I was going to say. Assassin's Creed. Like, so this oof. is one, you, you said this earlier where you were like, why even bother? I forgot what game you were, you were talking about, but you were like, I don't know why this game has this series name attached to it. Yeah. Uh, the, the new Assassin's Creed, it looks pretty good. I just, I'm surprised they even bothered calling it an Assassin's Creed game because it just looks like a new series. Yeah. And it know? takes place before the founding of the Assassin's Brotherhood and stuff. So, like, yeah. it has, as I'm sure there's going to be some like bizarre, weird Assassin's Creed shit in there. But, like, I am really looking forward to this game. I was not expecting to be excited about an Assassin's Creed at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it looks just incredible. It does. And it's cool that you can, you know, you play as uh, Cassandra or um, I forgot the main guy's name. And they were showing them both off, which was neat. Uh, and yeah, I, I think uh, it looks like it has sort of a Witcher 3 dialogue kind of thing. Yeah. Like romance options and stuff. Like I love <laughs> I love the, the idea that like they're like you can choose what to say and they, they showed like this kind of disappointing Socrates as an example of that, which I thought yeah. was like <laughs> that was so good. Like I can make Socrates disapprove of me. Yeah. So yeah, I think that game has the potential of being really awesome. But yeah, I, I was just sort of like, why don't they just call it like Spartan or something? You know? Yeah. Like I I think you're right. I think like in the last act, like you know, there'll be like a weird future scene, like oh, it, it was all meant to be or something. I don't know. Right. But yeah, that that definitely. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't put that on my list, but I'll come around to it for sure. 
Yeah, it honestly made me excited to check out Assassin's Creed Origins eventually. Um, yeah. That game just dropped to, I think, 30 bucks this week. So, like, I'm kind of getting to the point where I might check that out. I heard that it's really great, but I didn't pick it up because it was an Assassin's Creed game. But yeah, people are saying that Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks a lot like Origins, but just set in Greece. And that means that Origins is probably pretty good. So, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, so I think Ubisoft was probably higher on my list of conferences but just sort of by default because like yeah. some of the like yeah. it just it was a it had it had some of the highest highs for me but mm-hmm. uh at least before um before some of the latter ones that we'll get into but i enjoyed it i think it kind of it kind of fell off in the middle but it opened strong and it ended strong with uh, assassin's creed so yeah so i think after that was the pc conference which i didn't watch but you did <laughs> yeah I did. do you want to just like monologue your way through the pc conference because oh, i have man. no yeah, well, so the, it it kind of feels like, you know, kicking the underdog a bit because it's like, this is the newest conference. They probably have the least funding. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear who the sponsors were, yeah. one of which was uh, Drake's Cupcakes. And like, there's a guy in a duck mascot outfit for like 90% of the event. Oh, man. Well, not 90%, but the pre-show was trivia with him and one of the co-hosts. And I just felt terrible for both of them. I was like, yeah. you, you didn't deserve this. But it was okay. It opened really... It opened really oddly because the first game they featured was this like space kind of uh, survival Farmville, not Farmville, <laughs> Minecraft <laughs> Farmville. God, I haven't said that in a while. Uh, it was sort of like a space Minecrafty game yeah. um, called Satisfactory, and like it looks fine. It was funny that it That's was called Satisfactory, name. yeah. And so that was the first game. The second game was this weird uh, taxi cab game that had a cool premise, but the art style didn't really click for me and then day nine was like we have a bunch of battle royales to talk about and i, I went for a quick walk during because i was like this is, this is for me oh there there is a battle royale game i heard about where it's a uh, hundred or it's a thousand people I, I, I didn't see that one there was one called realm royale that like is just a shameless fortnite clone <laughs> like I couldn't believe what I was seeing so it's, it's like, like the if, waluigi of battle royale games yeah like, which part of me makes me like it but like like if Fortnite is Luigi to PUBG's Mario, then then Realms Royale is the Waluigi to <laughs> yeah. Fortnite's Luigi. If they went if they went with that brand, I'd buy in a second. But it's yeah. like if you win, it's like it's like winner winner like chicken or something. Like it's like it oh. is so. I mean, I haven't played it, so maybe it differentiates itself through gameplay. But just yeah. visually, it looks like they were like, okay, we're gonna go for like a Blizzard art style with PUBG gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of weird. Um, the game that looked great though was a game called Sable. It looks beautiful. The art style looks a lot like uh, Mobius, who's the guy that did like um, he designed the world for Fifth Element. And uh, oh, cool! He his art style. He's like one of the classic like uh, he's this really esteemed uh, French comic book artist. Nice, but he's known for doing like really surreal kind of like desert sci fi landscapes. Yeah, um, the colors always really pop. So this game seems very inspired by that. That's awesome. And I think it's on Mac, so I might pick that up. That's really it from the PC one. I, again, I felt kind of bad for them because it, it, they're really trying to make it work. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's sort of uh, they they they're doing the best of what they got. So I, if I'll, they can I'll keep it doing that. it, they'll get there eventually. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that like the hosts were giving it their all. You, you could tell though that like no one was in the seats because like. They had one of the co-hosts in the balcony. They, and then eventually she left because like you could just see the lights were dim enough, like no one was in the seats, and I was like, oh man, that's, that's a bummer. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was fun. Um, Sable was definitely the one that stood out to me the most. But if you're battle, I don't want to knock Battle Royale as a genre, it just doesn't appeal to me personally. So 
I'm yeah. sure there were some cool announcements in there somewhere. Yeah, but just just to clarify what I was talking about earlier about the idea of like being into more battle royale games coming out. PUBG and Fortnite are basically the same idea. It's like sure. they're both the same game, just with different art styles, essentially. Yeah, like Fortnite yeah. obviously has the base building thing like added to it or whatever, but they're basically the same idea. And and to not not to knock them too hard, but like both of them are kind of buggy and like not super polished. Like they're getting there over time, but like both teams are not huge. And and although Fortnite is putting out updates at like a surprising clip, like PUBG is still pretty buggy. Yeah. So what I'm really interested in is seeing really huge teams like Dice and like uh, Treyarch like make Battlefield and Call of Duty games with that really really stellar gunplay and and convert that to battle royale somehow. Like I think that that would be really interesting. Like for example, Destiny. Like if Destiny Two added battle royale, which everyone thought they were going to, and they ended up not. But like if they had added battle royale, like that would be the best gunplay on any yeah. game on a console. Yeah, with a battle royale mode, that sounds really interesting, and that would get me to want to play a battle royale game. Oh yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. It'd be interesting to see it on a on a like more massive scale. I, I my only point of tension is I wouldn't want developers to make a battle royale game because they just are like told that's what they have to do, kind of thing. Yeah, you it's kind of like what happened of, with MOBAs. Yeah, exactly. where like everyone was trying to make a MOBA, and at the end of the day, like Dota two and League were like still the only two that people played. <laughs> yeah, what was what was Blizzard's uh, Heroes of the Storm? Yeah. Oh, people still play that, but like, oh, do they? Yeah. Yeah. Not not as much. But yeah, I, it seems like everyone tried to do that, and it kind of like faded away. So now everybody's doing the battle royale thing. Which sure. We'll see. Yeah, it's like trends are trends. They are what they are. It's not good or bad. Yeah. You just don't want to. You don't want to abandon your identity as a developer or or a company because you're like trying to keep up with what's trendy. Yeah. Um, um, what was interesting though, like we we really didn't see too many battle royale games coming from at least like the major press conferences besides Sony. I mean, besides PC. I at first I found that surprising that it was like mostly Destiny games and not battle royale games. But like, if you think about it, I, I just keep using God of War as an example just because I heard about it most recently. But God of War took five years to make. Yeah. Around five years ago is when Destiny came out or like was announced um, and was like starting to lead up and like the division kind of around the same time. It does make sense that we would see more Destiny games this year if they started development around that time when companies were like, we need to make something to compete with Destiny. Like now is when those games would be coming out, Mm -hmm. which means that like in two or three years is when we might see the like completely built from the ground up Battle Royale competitors popping up. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that that would be I I feel like uh, with Blizzard, I, I imagine that they might do like a Battle Royale like seasonal event. I feel yeah. like they might try that out. I kind of wish that this is a quick sign up. I kind of wish they kept the PVE modes in those games. Like, I love the Junkenstein's Revenge and all that. Yeah. Um, anyway. oh, they just they just had that right. They just like brought that back. Um, yeah, I think for the two year anniversary, like they had like a every seasonal event you could play or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty uh, cool. Which is cool. Yeah. So after PC was Sony. What By did far you think? my favorite. Yeah, so yeah. I was also really really into it. Um, although a lot of people again online seemed like not very stoked about it i was like surprising i thought it was very cool and it's not even like i'm a sony fanboy or whatever because like i'm really pissed at them about the fortnite thing that's happening but like yeah i thought their conference was amazing i'm disappointed that they didn't commit to the bit and they just built the the church just for last of us i was hoping that each game that they were showing off of the four would have their own yes yeah so there's a lot to talk about here it was like i don't even say a breath it was like just a wave of fresh air to see the event taken so seriously. Yeah. And like, like I think you said when we were talking, it's like they treated it like it was a prestigious event, not like 
you know, this like we happened to rent the multi-purpose room in a hotel for the night event. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah, felt totally. like very. It felt like an actual award show or something. There's a weird pop in circumstance to E3 at this point. Like there's years and years and years of of context that people come into it with, and I think Sony is starting to recognize that and like putting E3 on a pedestal in a way that other companies aren't at the moment. It just makes the medium like taken more seriously, which I think is important. You know? Yeah. And I think that like uh, opening. God, the last of us too so like i was writing my list the whole time and like most of the games like oh this looks fun or like oh i, I would love to get this and last of us too is like in another solar system of interest like it's yeah. like it looks i i i loved the first one it's one of my favorite games and uh to even surpass my already high expectations and i think yeah. it was a good mix of like we got a, a cinematic trailer and we also got gameplay and mm-hmm. like there was no one talking during it. There was no canned dialogue. And the way they played as Ellie during that whole sequence was very cinematic. Like, yeah. her getting hit, her pulling an arrow out. Like, again, we, we just sat through hours of post-apocalyptic war zones. But, like, I felt every hit in that trailer. Like, when she picks up a brick and just, you know. Yeah. That's my, one of my favorite things about The Last of Us Combat is, like, the improv weapon slot i'm just like i found a bottle or a brick you yeah know? totally so i'm really i mean it was i i've seen a lot of articles comment on just the over-the-top violence and that's something to talk about but i think like at least in that trailer the the juxtaposition of her you know dancing with the girl and them kissing cutting right to her just poorly and sloppily slitting a guy's throat i thought was like like <laughs> oddly beautiful because it was yeah, as purpose. long as it's contextualized right like yeah. as, lo- as long as it makes sense from a narrative standpoint and as long as they have something to say about it which i i feel like naughty dog probably does considering yeah. how strong their writing team is yeah um i i'm not super worried about the violence it, it is a thing that i tend to hone in on i think more than most but like i trust naughty dog to figure it out i do too and i mean like i think it's something that in the context of the full game i can have a firmer stance on yeah, because there was another trailer that came out that was a bit more divisive in its violent depictions. Because like you know, we don't. Uh, it's sort of like just that, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, ironically, it's the only trailer that shows a little bit of the infected. Because the whole the first at E three, the whole Last of Us Part Two thing was all humans. Yeah, it was all um, people. Which has always kind of been the irony of the series is that it's kind of more about that than the zombies. Yeah, totally. Or the infected. Excuse me. Uh, so yeah, so Last of Us Two just like cannot I cannot wait for that like it, it to the point where I wish there was a different phrase because I just like I, it means so much to me yeah and I have a feeling it's gonna be like one of the best games of like this this era so I'm yeah. really excited I think so too I so I haven't played Last of Us Part Two or Part One yet or I guess just Last of Us yet yeah I've played through the first I don't know maybe two hours or so recently and I'm gonna finish it probably this week I think. Like yeah. because of the Last of Us Two trailer, I I was blown away by it. The the moment when she is hiding under the the car and just oh like aiming down, yeah. waiting for the person to to peek their head under. I was holding my breath during that moment. I think yeah. like the thing that blew me away the most weirdly was when she was running and they were shooting at her, and you could see a shot go over her shoulder, and she reacted to that shot. Yeah, um, like that animation blending between like you, the player, running like controlling Ellie running away and her reacting to things that are happening to her in real time is like unbelievable. Yeah. And, and the first game does that pretty well too. I mean, obviously it's, yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit more visible in the second one, but uh, I won't spoil anything, but yeah, there's, 
the first game's divided into seasons and like it honestly just gets better and better like yeah there are so many moments like I, i'm pretty well versed in that kind of genre like i've read a lot of the walking dead comics i've read the road which mm-hmm. i think it probably has the most in common with yeah. um and like my jaw still like dropped to the floor in some moments i like couldn't bl- and and the thing about the last of us that is so effective and is so apparent in that e3 trailer is the idea that you just keep moving forward like yeah. no, like it it doesn't stay. Like, the most graphic depictions of violence can happen, and characters just have to keep going. Like yeah. there's no room to mourn. There's no room to react. Um, I I think that that that's what's so effective about the violence is not the uh, it's not gratuitous, but it's it's just like just showing you how horrible this world is, and th- yeah. and that this is an everyday thing ellie is like numb to it she just has to do like you know so i I think that that's where it's effective yeah so after last of us 2 we saw ghost of tsushima which is the uh the new game by sucker punch yeah that's on my list as well which i i think just looks brilliant like yeah so i i heard about some behind closed door stuff that happened when they were showing that game off like they showed uh some more stuff they showed that same exact gameplay demo again except uh with traditional japanese as the language, which is awesome. Mm. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that that's going to be an option. Um, I'll probably go that route. Honestly. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Definitely. The thing that bummed me out though, was apparently a lot of the journalists were asking like, okay, how does this combat work? And they just, they wouldn't answer any questions about the combat. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. they didn't. So they were like, okay, well, what button did you press to do that move where like the guy lunges at you and, and then you just like slash him and they just like wouldn't answer it. It's like, okay, well he did this like extra thing where like you blocked this attack, like, is there is there a method or like what buttons are happening to make that happen? And they just like didn't answer any of it. So there was like this weird standoff between the press and the developers about how the actual combat worked, which is a little bit disconcerting. But yeah, I, I think that game shows off really well. And if it, it plays like if by the time it comes out, it plays like it shows off. Um, I, I think it's going to be awesome. And Sony is just like cementing themselves as the the platform where you play these kinds of games, which yeah, I think is awesome. These like very like prestigious, like that game is so emblematic of like sort of like you know um, i'm drawing a blank on, on some of the director's names but like there's those classic samurai films from japan mm-hmm. uh and like the the like you know the japanese text on the screen and like this sort of like even though it's very violent and like bright in its colors there's a sort of minimalist quality to it that i really liked yeah. you know like when battle started it wasn't like get ready it just sort of happened yeah and of course the the moment that the trailer like really sealed the deal was the duel in like the cherry blossom where the fire is coming and mm-hmm. like that was so so beautiful um and like i was really on the edge of my seat like i really didn't want these characters to hurt each other yeah because like you know just from the beginning you get a sense of their camaraderie and uh, i think the line the line that stood out to me was the like you know if we fight, they win. They've already won that. I mean, obviously this is like in a totally different context, but like I, I, that's sort of like a line that can, you, you can apply to so many things, you know, yeah. and it's, it's such a powerful and, and heavy line. Uh, that might sound trite from my end, but I just, that, that stood out to me. So that's, that's actually very high on my list as well. I'm surprised I didn't bring that up earlier, but I, again, just because we don't know as much about it gameplay wise, it's sort of why it's not like top of my list. Yeah. Oh, one thing that got announced between Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima when they were like shuffling people between the two uh, screening rooms was that God of War is going to get a new game plus mode soon, oh, which wow. is which is not a thing that like I expected to be excited about. 
<laughs> yeah. But I am now knowing that I can go back, finish all the end game stuff, get all of the armor from the end game and like have a reason to use it now because mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing preventing me from doing it was like, OK, so I'm going to get all this like end game equipment and not have anything to use it on. So that's kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. And then the other big uh, game was Death Stranding, which <laughs> we could probably talk about for like days because I have not followed. That's another game that people have been waiting for forever. Where are you at on it? Like, where are you in terms of like interest level or excitement? I, or? I honestly don't know. I have yeah. no idea. Like, I I can't say that like watching that footage made me really want to get it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate just how different it is. Like, yeah. in you know, in, in three days of seeing kind of like three sort of archetypes of like story and setting, the fact that like I can be intrigued by this game that seems to be 90% carrying stuff <laughs> yeah. and, and then like suddenly becomes this weird like baby. I just, I had no, like I did not know what to think during the ending of that, which yeah. like I'm, I appreciate a big game like that taking those risks, but I just, I don't know. We know so little about it. And I think for a lot of people that have been, you know, big Metal Gear fans and big fans of, of uh, Kojima that like, they probably just have more questions at this point. Yeah, I I am weirdly um kind of just like simmering on that game for now. Like yeah. I I think I'm gonna wait until it comes out and we have more information about how it plays. Same for me. Like because I, I know the story is not gonna be the thing that gets me to play it because like the story is probably gonna be incoherent realistically. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I'm just more interested to see like, is this game going to be an enjoyable experience when i play it like because the story is like buck wild like maybe that'll be the reason to play it it's like you just have to see how over the top this is maybe that'll be it but yeah i it's weird but like as each year of e3 goes by when they continue to show death stranding over and over and over again like i find myself just kind of cemented in that mentality that like okay wait for it to come out before you make any judgments like nothing that they're showing off is really going to impact my buying decision in any meaningful capacity yeah, and like my my experience with the Metal Gear series is also kind of one of positive indifference. Like I, I uh, I've only played Snake Eater, which I really liked. I mean, that was probably yeah. my favorite one I've played. But it was well after the fact, and I, I just that's a that's a bandwagon. I just think I missed so much to catch up with. And like again, like I think he, uh, Hideo Kojima is like a guy I really respect because he seems to love games as a medium so much, and he takes these risks that few would. Right. But there's also like the other side of the coin where it's like, okay, but like, what is this? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I, I, I always, I always appreciate those risks over like just, you know, eight destinies kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, and there's a time and place for both. It's not that destiny is not, not destiny is not in and of itself an accomplishment. It's just a different style. Yeah. Not every game is going to be about babies in, like weird fanny packs that help you light up ghosts of the past. So, well, speaking of games about uh, weird babies and fanny packs that help you light up ghosts of the past, uh, the next <laughs> game they shut off was Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because in the original cut of San Raimi's Spider Man, when Uncle Ben says, "With great power comes great responsibility," in the original cut, he like pulled out his fanny pack and there was like baby Peter in it. Mm-hmm. And he like lit up, he like lit Peter's face and then like he sort of like, that's, that's where the movie kind of starts. Yeah, right. Ugh, I feel sick. Anyway, um, <laughs> Spider-Man, honestly, I, and again, I might get shit for doing this or for saying this, but like it didn't really excite me at all. Oh, wow. I, I think it looks great. I, I think that um, 
Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun to play. The, the, the thing with Spider-Man is like, it's the one IP both in movies and video games that like, no one can chill on for like there's like always this urgency <laughs> to do it better yeah. it's like no 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 we can't wait a year without a good spider-man and mm-hmm. overall they do get better i mean i think <clears throat> i think that in movies like spider-man homecoming was way better than than the uh sony amazing ones yeah yeah and for the games too like the selling point of every spider-man game is like it's gonna have the swinging mechanics from the ps2 game you remember yeah. that one it's gonna have that and like the last one i think was where like it did have that, but you couldn't roam the city unless you did side missions. Yeah, I remember I had to do the review for Pixelitis. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> for for the Amazing Spider-Man two, and I just remember like the the one note was like, okay, well, what does the swinging feel like? Well, it feels like the two one, but slightly worse. Like, okay, so nobody's <laughs> gonna play this game. Yeah, and that was it. That was like that was as much as everyone needed from that review. Um, I think yeah, I think that the the combat looks fun. I like the sort of like. They had a lot of fun with the animations of like what Spider-Man can do to enemies, and I think the swinging looks really fun. Yeah, I saw a separate stream with um, there was like an interview with the person who is designing the combat for that game, just showing off like the really, really in-depth stuff that you can do with that combat yeah. system, and like that's where it really shines. Weirdly, gotcha. is like when you're in end-game combat mode, it looks yeah. like totally, totally bananas. That's awesome. So th- that stuff's really cool. I just think it's gonna be like fun and goofy and that's yeah kind of i mean like I, I i it's not that i'm like knocking it at all i just i i guess like out of the out of once the sony conference ended everyone was talking about spider-man mm-hmm. and i was like did anyone else see the last of us part two <laughs> 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 like, yeah. um, i mean again night it's like apples and oranges but uh, uh i think i think too like there's a lot of fun spider-man villains in it like there's just that shot of like scorpion Electro and like Mr. Negative, I think his name is just like mm-hmm. kicking. I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> the scene, like yeah. the, the D list of villains all just kicking Spider Man was just yeah. like, this is a uh, this is fun too. I also like when games start with like all the villains. Like, actually, Destiny, even though Destiny 2 story is, is whatever, I like when a game begins with like you as a player losing at the at the hands of the villain and then the rest of the game is like getting your revenge building yourself back up like classic metroid style yeah Yeah, exactly so i think that that uh, yeah exactly metroid or uh castlevania as well um Mm -hmm. so yeah that'll be that'll be cool i think it's gonna be it's gonna be good i just like i i I guess i'm just sort of like pessimistic with spider-man games because it's always the like it's like it's like the ps2 one where you could swing and like Mm -hmm. okay you know get it right this time but I think if uh, what's who are the developers for this one? They did Sunset it's Overdrive, Insomniac, Insomniac. I think they they will do very well with it. Yeah, the the one anecdote that I think really sticks out to me about that game that makes me more optimistic than I normally would be because I, I would normally be in the same camp as someone who really likes Spider Man. Yeah. Apparently, the way that this worked was Marvel said to Sony, "Hey, we want to start like dominating superhero video games the same way we're dominating." everything else yeah like the the (laughs) cinema at the moment so they said you know have all of your first party studios like come up with and pitch a game and like they can use any ip in all of marvel so basically all these different studios pitched their own versions of different marvel games and they were just allowed to use whatever ip they wanted so insomniac specifically said like we want to make a Spider-Man game. It wasn't Marvel saying, okay, Sony pick a studio and have them make a Spider-Man game, which I think yeah. inversing that decision is what makes me most excited about it. That that's really exciting to hear. And I think something they said that made me excited was they're talking with the developers after the conference and they were like, yeah, we, 
we wanted this to feel like a uh, Insomniac Studios game, you know? Yeah, like exactly. That, that happens to be Spider-Man, not like we have to do a Spider-Man game. I guess yeah. it's just sort of like the the medium of uh, games based on movies is always like whatever. But this isn't based on a movie; it's based on just Spider-Man. So yeah, which is cool. I, th- I think it will be. I think it'll be good. I'm just sort of I'm on I'm, I'm <laughs> for some reason slightly pessimistic about it, but I think uh, I think I'll be proven wrong. So yeah. And that kind of that kind of wraps up Sony. Um, the the one disappointing thing about the Sony press conference for me was that Sean Layden didn't just get on stage and say you can change your name on PSN and then get off stage. Like that's what I was hoping <laughs> was going to happen. I, I was hoping it'd be like, hey, you can change your names now. Oh, All right, have and, a good E3. Uh, we forgot to mention the the dreams uh, dreams being like the in between. Yeah, I I yeah. have nothing for that game. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it's about. I feel so bad. I love Media Molecule. I love Little Big Planet. Like. Yeah, they oh, continue okay. to yeah. show that thing. I just don't know what it is, how it plays, why I would want to play it. Like they've never given a pitch for it, really. Yeah, and it, it is kind of a missed opportunity to be like, "Oh, cool, we're at E three. Yeah, you're going to be like the in between." Yeah, <laughs> which was a clever idea. I think it, it it actually did help to sort of unite uh, the conference as a whole. Like mm-hmm. It felt like a planned, coherent event. Yeah, and what else was there? Oh, the Call of Duty, whatever. Yeah. I was still just in awe of Last of Us Part Two when they aired that. That I just like tapped out. Yeah, they. I the one nice thing about Call of Duty was that they brought back all the maps that I used to play when I was in like high school, which yeah. is really funny. Um, yeah. But besides that, whatever they gave that's out really, Call of Duty Black Ops Three for free if you have PlayStation Plus, so oh, okay. that's fun. Yeah, that's that's neat. I, the last one I played that I enjoyed was Black Ops. I haven't really played same. Anything yeah, since. yeah. It just makes me feel old when it's like Black Ops Five, and I was like, oh, I thought Black Ops is new. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so and then that was the uh call of duty i think black ops was the first time they had the zombie mode too if i remember mm-hmm. correctly yeah but yeah anyway um oh the other yeah. thing at sony was they showed uh they showed Cade six getting shot and dying in destiny oh, 2 that's right DLC, yeah. which was fun yeah um, so that that game apparently is gonna be or, or that dlc is apparently gonna be like oh shit what, what's a good a good way of putting this essentially it's like a prison break it's like the anti-avengers in a way uh Uh, it's like a prison break and like seven of the universe's like deadliest villains break out of prison and it's your job to go kill them one by one and like that's what that dlc is which is such a great idea and they're like leaning into it being like a weird western kind of thing so like i'm just very i'm very into i love destiny but this is like let's just get goofy with it is exactly the direction i wanted them to take yeah, it's it's enough. It's enough of a. There's enough. Uh, it's like a, I don't want to say blank slate because the worlds are so like beautiful and like well designed and like even the story is kind of mediocre. Like the lore of the world is very interesting. Yeah. So I think that that sets sets itself up well for like one off adventures being just whatever they want to do with that particular yeah. one. But that's Sony. That's, yeah, that's, that's what Sony. happened to Sony. Uh, and the last one was Nintendo. Nintendo. Uh, five hours of Smash Brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another one. I I don't know if we talked. We've been recording for like fifteen hours at this point, but I, <laughs> we, we might have mentioned it before we started recording, or maybe after. That's right. But, it's longer uh, than E three. Yeah. yeah, but the thing about Nintendo, people found really disappointing was that like, oh, they didn't show that much. They didn't show Metroid. They didn't show Animal Crossing. They didn't show X and Y and Z, and like they didn't really have too many surprises. And I'm not really shocked by that. Yeah. Their move is always like show you the things that you can get soon um, yeah, exactly. and then have separate directs for like the really big things. But they showed off like I mean, they announced Super Mario Party, which no, that wasn't even rumored or leaked or anything like that's a new a whole new Mario Party game. You can play it online. 
Uh, you can like arrange the switches if you have multiple in like weird directions to like make it like a board game. That's fun. I don't know. It looks it looks fun and and good and like Mario Party. Uh, it looks yeah. like a return to like old school Mario Party, which is I think the most important thing because they kind of yeah. like lost the plot towards everything, like everything nine after, and ten. <laughs> <laughs> everything after four to me it was just kind of a swing and a miss. Yeah. I'm with you. Five, five was all about like dreams. I remember. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every level was a dream. Yeah. Yeah. One, one through four were uh, were pretty solid. So yeah, I'd be into that. I mean, yeah, they're, they're fun. Um, I'm into Mario Party. I that that is a game that I wasn't expecting, and I'm excited about. Yeah. And whatever. And it, I think it lends itself well to the Switch as well. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and and honestly, Smash looks awesome. I mean, I really liked the last one, and I think that they didn't really have to do. I can't imagine they really tweaked the last game's format too much i just feel like this is sort of like hey we want this on the switch because like no one's on the wii u anymore yeah so th- they were approached and asked if this was just like them porting four over to switch and like adding more stuff to it and they said that they actually are completely building this one from the ground up i imagine a lot of the same character models are coming through sure I, like they're definitely touching them up a little bit like mario doesn't look exactly like mario did in, in four plus he has like happy now and stuff but yeah yeah i don't know i you know this uh, because we talked about it when we were writing for Pixelitis and we were spinning up awful bit and stuff. But like I kind of embedded myself in the competitive Smash community for a couple of years there just to like because yeah. I was like planning on doing some reporting on it and stuff like that and like getting into the scene and like learning how to play competitively and like what that takes from all the people I still follow on Twitter uh, from that time. It seems like the competitive community is like foaming at the mouth for this game. Like oh, it is cool. literally the developer of smash saying i have heard every request you've ever wanted and i'm putting all of them in this one game and like there's <laughs> nothing else you can ask me for ever again except like, for waluigi except for waluigi yeah. but like going as far as adding ridley as a playable character which is like maybe one i laughed so hard out loud when they announced that because like i just i couldn't believe my eyes as i was watching that happen because like that that's the thing that the smash community has been like joking about since melee came out yeah and the and the fact that they're like it was almost it's almost like a shot across the bow like we are deadly serious about making this the most competitive smash game ever um and they're like all these little tweaks i've, I've been watching them play it a lot because they've been playing it a lot on the treehouse streams but like Little things like making it so you do extra damage if you're playing 1v1, which means that that's great. Yeah. That like competitive tournament games will move along faster than they did. Cause that was like the one complaint about Brawl and Smash 4 was like it was slower and took longer. So, like, okay, added damage. So things go faster. Like little UI elements, like it pops up and shows you where the out of bounds marks are and how close you are to it. So you know exactly like how far you are from getting kicked off the map. Yeah. Adding Game in cube. all of the glitches from melee like wave dashing and all those things adding them back in as features oh well, is like, i didn't know about that yeah just like little things like that just really really add to it yeah the gamecube controller is saying like okay you can still use the uh the adapter from the wii u and like we're gonna make more of them we're gonna make more uh gamecube controllers like it just seems like they're doing everything possible to make it the the ultimate smash game and it's called Super yeah. smash brothers ultimate and and just having the entire roster back too i think is really cool like unbelievable I, yeah i'm excited to see like um, some of the characters that were in Brawl that weren't in this time, like Snake and Wolf, and uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, it just like <laughs> it was so much like good news that like I kind of like glazed over it for a second. Yeah, like, no, like, it really I, was. I, it was like overwhelming yeah. how much they announced. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for it. I mean, this is I've been kind of delaying when I'm going to get a Switch, and like I, I decided that I'll get one like around Christmas because like 
that gives me enough yeah. time to like be a human being and then mm-hmm. I can get a switch and, and there's plenty of games out for it now. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic. And I think uh, the last one felt like that because I feel like Melee became something it wasn't even intended to be. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, the competitive community, like discovered things about the game that were That's outside. what I mean. Yeah, totally. And then Brawl was like a, basically a big middle finger to that. Like, no, you're yeah. going to trip. Yeah. And then four was like a nice middle ground where it was, okay, like this is going to have like sort of the, the roster and vibe of Brawl with like, fa- like more melee-ish mechanics. And this yeah, was it was like, like a little like bit a faster, up. a little bit like more interesting, more colorful than Brawl was, which was nice. Like it, it just it struck a nice balance between the two. I found that game to be a lot of fun, but I, I saw what the Melee community was like disappointed about with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and, and this game just looks like me- Melee 2. Like yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. I think was it you who said that you, you figured that uh, Smash Brothers 4 was intended to be only a 3DS game for a yeah. while? Yeah, it does feel a bit like that. It feels like um, it goes first for the 3DS. It wasn't like out for the Wii U until like six months later. Yeah, I really think like the Wii U was hurting and they were making a Smash game for 3DS and they were like, look, you need to put this on Wii U. Also, just I don't this is just like a feeling thing. This is just like a gut check thing. But like that game felt better to me on 3DS than it did on Wii U. Uh, honestly, I mean, I played it. I played it more on 3DS. So like, I guess I was used to it there. But yeah, yeah. it didn't. Um. It, it it it'd be hard pressed to get both versions unless you have like people come over and play with you for the for the uh wii u one yeah um, that, that implies i don't have friends i really do uh but i had both because like I, I had a bunch of pro controllers and stuff yeah and, like, yeah people came over we would play four player and stuff and i played it, online a lot on wii u but like i would always go back to the 3ds one that was always the one that i preferred playing of the two i, I forgot that cloud was in it and when they talked about yeah. cloud i almost started crying which again <laughs> the, the <laughs> anytime i'm like i'm over ff7 the minute it's like you know th- he's back i'm like oh i'll stop yeah uh, yeah it's the roster is amazing it's really great yeah there's a lot of dlc characters i haven't played as yet too so i'm excited about that i i am really just itching to play it like as soon as humanly possible yeah was there anything else from nintendo that you wanted to touch on i have a couple more things but like those are obviously the two really big ones are super mario party and smash yeah um i mean there's like pokemon again, let's go pikachu yeah like, they yeah. talked pretty extensively about that and they showed a lot of that at the treehouse after that game looks gorgeous, and I think it's a cool. Yeah. It's a cool way to like. Nintendo is always sort of talk about someone who's open for experimentation, and like new ideas. I mean, like they've fallen flat on their face a couple times, but like when they get it right, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And I think that this game seems to utilize like the fact that they kind of have combined it with Pokemon Go is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't think I'll get it just because I feel like I, I'm not as interested in sort of a more like, there's nothing wrong with this. It seems like a more kind of casual Pokemon game, which is fine. And listen, like not every game is for me. Like, again, it's like, yeah. like, this is for kids. I'm like, of course it is. Like let them have something. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's for kids. Not every game is for you. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like a proud dad, happy that Pokemon is still going strong and like, yeah. Hard same. Yeah. And like I'm sure that there will be sort of the the token standalone thing. But also talk about a franchise that needs some switching up. Holy shit. No pun intended. Like yeah. Pokemon for three generations was like, we're not gonna tell a different story. Don't even think about it. There's right. gonna be a team, there's gonna be a rival. Like you're gonna go like There's always a man, there's always a lighthouse, and there's always a city. There's always 
they go as far as like there's literally always someone's PC and then you meet them later and it's named after them. Like that's not even yeah. a trope that was that interesting. Right. But they do it, <laughs> they they do do it, it. every time yeah. to the point like because in, in Red and Blue, it's like you meet Bill and like it's a funny thing of him being turned into a Pokemon, which is a really interesting theme that's not really explored at all. Then in like I think in X and Y, he's like, oh, by the way, that's my PC. You can use it. And like it's named like, you know, yeah, whatever his name was, the punk rock guy with the leaf on his head. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say this about about Pokemon. Let's go. They did the same thing that Bethesda did, where they announced Fallout seventy six, and then kind of hedged their bets and like tried to make people happy by saying, "Hey, we are still working on those like single player experiences." Like right. they announced Pokemon Let's Go, and also said at the same time, "We're working on like a mainline Pokemon game to come out at the end of next year." So like this is just us doing an experimental thing and like seeing how it works out. And I think sure. like more power to them. Yeah. Actually, I, I do rescind my comment a bit because I haven't played Sun and Moon, and that looked like they did try a lot of new stuff with that one. So it 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 honestly it feels a lot like the other games. Like it really oh, is yeah. just one of those. Like the only difference that I would say is that they onboard new people way better in that game. But if you are a longtime Pokemon player, like the first three hours of that game are a tutorial. <laughs> I, I just love that they gave Doug Trio like surfer mullets. So that was like my the best thing. Oh Nintendo yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> It was so good. The other things that uh, I'll, I'll mention about Nintendo before we sign off here, um, they announced and released Hollow Knight, which mm. I was holding off on playing until it came out on Switch, and I've been playing it ever since, and it is real, real good if you like Metroidvania games. Yeah, yeah. Um, they announced a release date for Dead Cells, which is going to be in August. Um, that's like another Metroidvania that's also a roguelike and kind of has some like Dark Souls-y combat-inspired stuff going on. Um, oh, cool. Everyone who's played that game says it's unbelievable. I played it a little bit on Switch at uh, PAX East and was like blown away by it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And also announced and released Fortnite, which got leaked ahead of time by Chance the Rapper, weirdly. But um, (laughs) I will say this as someone who was not interested in playing Fortnite or PUBG. I have played like maybe close to 50 matches of Fortnite over the past couple days with friends on the Switch. And it is like the perfect console for that game. And uh, I get I get the hype now. Yeah. I haven't um, played Fortnite yet, not for any like I don't want to play this reason, but just like yeah. I just haven't. Um, but if like, you get a Switch, I highly yeah. recommend downloading it because it's free. Like, That'd just give it a whirl. Yeah. Give it a whirl. I I thought Nintendo was great, honestly. Um, yeah, I thought this E3 was low key but good. Yeah, that's really the takeaway. Is like I, <laughs> it, it definitely felt a little bloated and a little slow moving, but um, yeah. At the end of it, I have like a page of games I'm at least curious about. So it succeeded on that front. I think like there's some kind of like I feel like it's it's a weird thing where there's certain developers that I'm now kind of saying a bittersweet goodbye to in my head, and then some that I'm like welcoming aboard my heart train, if you will. <laughs> yeah. If that's a phrase, I guess it is now. So yeah, like I I'm kind of like losing steam on Bioware, but like now I'm all about, you know, I think CD Projekt Red has a really bright future ahead. As someone who like could not give a shit about Witcher 1 and 2. Like, yeah. Yeah, that seems to be pretty common. Witcher 3 seemed to be the game that like made everyone interested in that series. I, I tried 2, didn't like it. Uh, I also tried 3 and didn't like 3 very much, but I am over the moon excited about Cyberpunk because that's yeah. more my speed. Yeah, I think so. Same. I mean, like the thing about Witcher 3 is like it's a really cool... Uh, it's a really cool take on a very traditional fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. So like this new setting seems to be like, obviously it's very inspired by Blade Runner and a lot of like, it's literally called cyberpunk. So like, there we are, but it just seems like a more unique world. It seems like more fully realized from like 
an individual's mind than like uh this is D D, but it's a little edgy, you know. Yeah. Uh so before uh before we sign off, what is your like number one? Like if there's one game that you could play right like if there was one game that was put in front of you and you're like, I want that right now, what would it be? <sighs> no ties possible. Like, can I choose two that are equally or should I? Do I have yeah, to choose yeah, one? go for it. It sounded like a name of a game, didn't it? Like, what's no ties possible? That's, uh, yeah, no, it, um, I would by say the makers of Killer 7, no ties possible. <laughs> I would say it's a tie between Last of Us Part 2 and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Because yeah. um, Last of Us Part 2 is a game that I'm probably going to play through and become like a new and and more like a better person after playing it Uh, but it (laughs) will just it will just destroy my soul and i won't be able to like hang out with people for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. whereas sekiro shadows died twice it might have the same kind of emotional power behind it knowing uh knowing you know bloodborne and and the soul series but uh, just from more of a gameplay point of view like i'm so excited to try that out yeah so those two are those two are the games that I'm most antsy to play for very different reasons. I think uh, I think for me, it's probably Smash. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I didn't expect myself to be as excited about Smash as I am, but like it, it just looks unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, Smash is up there. I think the reason why it's not tied for first, it's probably like two or three, just because we're getting it a little bit sooner. You know, it's right. coming out in December, so like Last of Us Part Two might. I can't like we don't there's not a release date for it right I think they said like early 2019 or something yeah I just assume it's going to be February 22nd 2019 because that's when like 14 other games that we mentioned are coming out (laughs) for some reason yeah yeah it's funny like all those games I think they were just like oh let's just pick like a random day in February like nobody else is going to release a game then and like everyone had the same idea so now February stack next year (laughs) that's what I mean like winter of next year is this going to be like I have like a stockpile of games I want to try it's going to be destructive yeah it's going to be destructive yeah I'm uh, that that's the one saving grace of the C3 is like I'm so happy that these are all like 2019 releases yeah E3. Hey, I had a great time today. Just to let you, just to let you know. That was, weird. that was weird. You can cut that. You can cut that out. Yeah, E3. no, this this was good. Let's uh let's let's keep doing it. Yeah. And well, for those of you listening, thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah. I'm on the internet at Brendan Bigley on like every social media platform. Uh where can people find you, Stephen uh, Hilger? I am on Twitter at Stephen Hilger. I'm just starting to use Twitter more. I sound like an old man. I'm a little bit I can't even say I'm a little bit more active on Instagram. It's been a while there too. Um, but yeah, you could find me. <laughs> you could find me at Stephen Hilger on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best place for video game related stuff. Mostly on Twitter. I'm not sure what this podcast is going to turn into over the next couple episodes. This is obviously kind of like a weird one because you know E3 is like I don't know, like a holiday or something. So yeah, it is. I think it's also. I think what will be fun is if we do this again, we can. Uh, it'll be a bit more tailored to like what we're interested in. Yeah. Because this is sort of like a very reactionary episode, but we could be a bit more proactive with our discussions in the future of like, hey, this weird thing is happening or like, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you. And goodbye. And goodbye. And goodbye. (laughs)